Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, we chose this one. This episode 179, Kill Bill Volume 1 from 2003. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And this episode is brought to you by Gold Bond Medicated Foot Powder. Triple Action Relief, relieves itch, absorbs moisture, controls foot odor, and contains 1% menthol to keep your feet nice and cool. Gold Bond Medicated Foot Powder. Well, shout out to the Foot Doctor. Foot Doctor Foot Powder... Gold Bond. I never really knew how important Gold Bond was until we met and I stayed at your place. You're like, just put it everywhere. And I was like, oh, okay. And like, yeah, it, it works. Dude, I know. I I feel like I'm, I'm, I was the gateway drug to a lot of people for Gold Bond. I keep not the foot powder, just the extra strength, the green bottle right here on my, uh, under my coffee table at all times. Cause you never know when you need it. So I feel like it has a reputation as being like for old men. Yeah. But you know, what's not to love about not sweating, not chafing? This actually sounds like an ad now. Yeah. <laughs> not not sweating, not chafing. It smells good. You get yeah, to do like the LeBron sprinkle. thing if you want to do the LeBron thing. I mean, what's not to love? Yeah, I, I don't think you should breathe in the gold bond powder. It's probably really not good for your lungs. Yes, you could do the LeBron thing with it. It's, it's hot. It's humid. We're in the Northeast. Sometimes you just got to gold bond up all the parts, man. Highly recommended for sure, actually. Well, after the break, we are talking about Kill Bill Volume 1 on Friday on this very feed. We have a bonus episode, Kill Bill Volume 2, not behind the paywall at Patreon, but available for everyone. So in three days, come back for Kill Bill Volume 2. But Joe, extracurricular activities, what have you been up to since we last spoke? I have been watching a lot of hockey We're getting to the end of the regular season for hockey, so I've been watching a lot of Penguins games, and um, I spent like pretty much all last weekend watching the NFL draft. It occurs over like Thursday night, then Friday night's rounds two and three, and then Saturday all day is rounds four through seven. Yeah, that was about it. I haven't been watching. I mean, we were watching like dumb stuff, but... I think that's it. I'm getting ready for Rachel's parents to come visit tomorrow. So we're going to get to see them this weekend. Um, Haven't seen them in a little bit. So it'll be nice. They they surprise don't know that we changed our living room around like I told you guys. We've been hiding it from them. Yes. What if this was the episode that they're like, hey, we're driving down the pod. Rachel's parents. (laughs) Yeah, they're driving down. They're like, let's throw on some too fast. See what's going on here. Actually, they can't because it's not going to come up by tomorrow. They're driving tomorrow. So. No, they're also patrons. Oh no, it won't. It won't even be on the Patreon. That's tomorrow. what I mean. Yeah, it's definitely not. I'm sure the text other cool them. thing was is uh, so when we bought the new couches, I wanted the legs of the couches to be taller, and so uh, yesterday Rachel went to IKEA and bought like new legs that are like I think like maybe six inches to like raise the couches up, so they like have like a nice underneath them now, and the okay. cats have been going fucking nuts for it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Milo and Pierre can fit under it. Milo has these toys. I don't know if you have these cat toys that are just like... My cat's 17. She doesn't play with toys. That's I, I, understandable. That's what I was saying. Fair. But I think, didn't somebody just get a new kitten? Didn't somebody get a kitten? Haley got a kitten. In oh, the yeah. Last Haley year. has a kitten. I thought you were t- like somebody else. Like somebody in your realm has gotten a kitten, but I don't know who it is. Hmm. He has these... He has Milo loves these toys that are just like... I don't know. It's like wrapping paper, kind of. It's like the really shiny wrapping paper. It's just like made into a ball, and it just like makes like that crinkly sound when you play with it. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. He fucking loves these things. It's like one of his favorite toys, and he loves like playing hockey with it. And when we we had the old couches, 
I found them under the old couches, and then we got the new couches, and he would play with it for, like, three minutes and then throw it under the couch. But now, because we raised the couches up, he can, like, play under the couches, and he's, like, been stoked for the past day. So that's pretty much what I've been up to. That's my nonsense story. What have you been up to, brother? What have I done? I watched... I have not watched a ton of movies, and I fell behind on my, like, quote-unquote, fell behind on my TV watching, so I've been catching up on that. I watched two movies on Saturday, one called The Dirties, which is a high school movie, a found footage movie that I told Brian about. Oh, I think he would enjoy. It's good. It's interesting. And then I watched a movie called The Silent Partner, which is 1978. So my friend Bob, who I'm doing the podcast with, doing How to Win the Lottery with, he loves Robert Altman, but he also loves Elliot Gould, who has been in a bunch of the Robert Altman movies. But this is not a Altman movie. This is a Daryl Duke movie. But it's a Canadian movie where Elliot Gould plays a bank teller. Okay. And he figures out that a mall Santa, played by Christopher Plummer, is going to rob the bank. And so he kind of concocts a plan to, like, get most of the money set aside because it's the holiday season. There's all sorts of money in the bank. News reports, because Santa actually robs the bank, like, early in the movie. This is not a spoiler. Like, in the first 20 minutes or whatever, he he robs the bank. And the news reports, like, oh, the banker got away with $50,000. But, like, Santa knows he only got around with, like, $2,000. And so Elliot Gould has, like, this $48,000. And, like, he's the silent partner because, like, Uh... Santa's like, I want my money. And so it's Elliot Gould and Christopher Plummer. It's a really cool movie. Uh, there's a great action thing at the end, like a, a really cool moment at the end, a really young John Candy, lots oh. of beautiful 70s women. It's weird that it's Canadian. Like, it feels like it's a New York movie, but it's not a New York movie. It's the kind of movie that, like, everybody who likes heisty, but not even heisty, like, spy, like, tense kind of, sp- not you know, that kind yeah, of yeah. movie would enjoy. It's on the Criterion channel to stream, but, like... I don't know that anybody's seen it. Like, it's got 7,500 people on Letterboxd, which, as we know, is a decent amount, but not a, not a ton, right? Yeah, yeah, but, you know, like, looking at my my rankings, like, my friend, like, Bob gave it a five stars. Our, our past guest and probably future guest, Garrett Smith, gave it five stars. Like, it's a movie that people love, uh, just nobody talks about, but it's great. So it's a really good movie. So check out The Silent Partner if you like, you know, tense thrillers with some, like, gnarly stuff, like, really kind of grisly stuff, but also, you know, really good. So I, I, cool. I endorse The Silent Partner. I think um, Rachel would like that then, because she's always, like, up for heist movies, right? Like, that's, like, one of her favorite genres of movies. So. Yeah, it's almost like a heist in reverse, and that yeah, becomes a I, heist, I like the premise. sort of. So, it sounds yeah. cool. You sold it to me, for sure. Silent Partner. 1978. What else have I been up to... Um, anything of note? The Yankees have been winning, which has been good. Oh, I've been good. reading a lot, because we're going to start the... I mean, the book pod starts in less than a month now, which means I need to get to those books. I need to start reading because we're going to record our next episode. Do you release them like monthly so people can read the book or weekly? We're going to do them every other week, every other week. But we announced the entire reading list. So if people want to read ahead, I know that Montez read the book. She's going to write in. Uh, Rachel tweeted this week. She was like, give me a book to read. And then Mike tagged lottery pod on twitter and i was like hey read this and she's like oh that sounds good so i don't know if she's gonna get to it or not but i was like email in let us know your thoughts yes that's the kind of thing that we're gonna record a little bit in advance but if people email in before the episode comes out we can tack on an addendum because like we do want it to be interactive so if you are interested in joining an online sort of book club podcast book club go to cageclub.me slash lottery you can see the intro post there the the 10 books that we're doing join the book club and then read email in you can read out of order if you want and just you know get a thing in for the future book but all 10 books in the quote-unquote first season, which is going to run through like October, is all available at cageclub.me if you want to follow along. But it's going to be good, I think. So I've been I've been reading it. I've burned you. through. So Brett Easton Ellis, I have I had two books of his left. And the one that I read was this book called Lunar Park, where he is the main character, which is kind of weird, where it kind of sets up like this fictional alternate reality where 
he's being haunted and like it's cool and then it gets kind of dumb but it's interesting that like like chuck polinuk i don't know if you know but like he wrote fight club 2 it's a graphic novel but he's a character in it it's just like what are you doing man and like other people Weird. have like inserted themselves into things as themselves like as the author right but like chuck polinuk is not the star of fight club 2 it's like the narrator still right so yeah, okay. okay this is he's the star of this thing and like he marries this woman and they have these kids and they're like in upstate new york or whatever and like it's this whole alternate reality that's interesting so i burned through that i was reading that a lot over the weekend now i'm on his last book called imperial bedroom Rooms, which is a sequel to less than zero so he's doing like some kind of like weird kind of re- like you know what we'll talk about after the break with tarantino like remixing things he's kind of remixing yeah. his own career writing an alternate reality of his life and now doing a sequel to a book that came out like 25 years earlier like it just strange things man Very but strange. yeah just reading and watching these couple of movies but not much it's been raining here a lot this week, so... It's been it's raining been a, here, too. It's shitty. Yeah. I agree. Um, I think that's about it. So we have a Patreon page, TooFast2Forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellenin, Justin Kleiman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party, Haley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Christian Larson, Jerry Robinson, Dan the Duke Hayden, Renato DiDonato, and Jessica Collins, a.k.a. Montez. Thank you all so much for supporting us at the $5 level or above. Joe... Pick a number. I'm trying to figure out which ones we did not do. I guess four or five. Pick four or five. <laughs> five. Early access to the Fast and Furious Minute Quiz. We have not made the quiz public yet. We finished the first quiz. We're we working did. on the second quiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you want the Fast and Furious Minute Quiz, I think I mentioned last episode that I put together the like Q&A, the FAQ, the links, all the links in one place. Yes. TooFastTooFever.com. Yes, Take the 110, I think, question quiz. Very difficult. See what you get and let us know. Too fast, too far to come. Even a dollar gets you in the door and your generosity is eternally appreciated. It is. It really is. If you would rather email us, we have an email address, family at cageclub.me. We got uh, about eight or nine things, mostly short, I think, but we'll find out. Cool. So Jerry sent in a screenshot, just says quiz score. Jerry took the quiz. There's 113 questions and he got 70 right. So he's still in that middle, like Pretty where most range. people are. That That's the good range. Yeah. Yes. Shout out to Jerry. Good, good job, job there. That's, yeah. I mean, hey, you heard us take it and we made it. So, yep. <laughs> good job. Jason wrote in last week, which is now two weeks ago as this comes out on the main feed, that says, Happy Birthday Fast Five released on this date, April 29th, 10 years ago. So, the movie just turned 10. So, happy birthday to that. And I think also The Rock had a birthday this week. So, happy birthday to The Rock as well. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah, I think The Rock did have a birthday this week. That's right. The Rock's had a big week, man. He is. We'll talk about to it. that too. Yeah, I know. I was just thinking. <laughs> Go ahead. Next email from. Wells Lamont, subject line, 69 large. 69 large. Nice. So, so the font thing is strange. Everything I write in my notes is big letters until I start a new paragraph. Not sure how this happened, but I don't know how to fix it. If you see big fonts in different paragraphs through an email, it's because I had multiple pages of notes. Okay, so I know what's going on here now, Wells. So what? in the notes app, I'm assuming you have an iPhone. In the notes app, the first line is like the title of the notes doc. Yes, so that's true. That's right. Yeah. If you're just writing the notes in there, which makes sense now, the entire first paragraph <laughs> you're writing as like the, the title subject. of the notes doc. So when you're copying and pasting it into <laughs> Gmail, it thinks it's like a title and then a thing, which I don't mind. I think it's very funny. Uh, but now I'm just glad that we solved the mystery. It also tracks for him because he always writes the long subjects on the emails, right? So it's just like as if he put everything in the subject bar. It's wonderful. I mean, it's exactly <laughs> what he does. He's just doing it on two different apps. So I don't know. The two worst Bonds, in my opinion, the only two I don't like and actually hate them are Die Another Day and The World Is Not Enough. 
Okay. No Pierce Brosnan then, huh? Pierce Brosnan made four Bond movies, those two and two of my faves, GoldenEye and Tomorrow Never Dies. I played the video game on N64 religiously and didn't watch the movie until well after I beat the game. It was the coolest thing to compare everything between the two. I'm sure it would have been just as cool had I watched the movie first, maybe even better. Yeah, I'm sure. I did not watch a Bond this week. I don't remember what I was doing on Monday, but I'm like, I don't feel like watching a movie, so I just put it off for another week. Because I've basically been watching one Bond a week every Monday, so I'll just do it next week. But no Bond updates. Now that I'm out of the Connery era, like, I should have been excited to watch one. I just, you know, didn't. Yeah. Oh, I think that's what it was. The Yankees, this is going to make no sense, but when the Yankees don't play, I kind of don't know what to do with my evening. Okay, (laughs) nice. Like, even though it has, like, I have way more time, like, I know, okay, from 7 to 10, I'm on the couch, and I'm, like, reading or listening to something, and I'm watching the Yankees, and I either go for my walk before or after and watch a movie after or whatever. Like, I sort of have, like, this, like, kind of, not rigid schedule, but, like, yeah, exactly. And then the Yankees aren't on. I'm like, it's 6.30. I'm like, I don't have to do, like, I don't have to be anywhere. I'm like, I, I can just do whatever. And so, like, I just, what that means is I wind up doing nothing. So <laughs> by having more time, I actually do less. I don't know. It doesn't make No, sense. I totally relate because, like, the Penguins play pretty much, like, every other day, right? And when they don't play, and then, like, now Temptation Island's over. So, like, that's on Tuesday. So, like, some of our other shows we, like, can't catch up on. Like, when it hits, like, a day, like today like they're not playing we're recording but if this is like a day that we weren't recording for any reason i'm like what the fuck do i do tonight i totally get it i'm with you weird it's weird man i've been there for two or three discords i only missed the last one i'm still upset give me redemption well maybe at the beginning of lap nine we'll figure out something to do in lap nine which we, we have announce. the next movie we have the next movie picked out for our uh next Discord. oh yeah i forgot yeah yeah, yeah. We can yeah. do it. I was thinking, I was just thinking that too. I was like, we haven't done one in a while. We need to do one soon. Not sure if this has been previously brought up, but can you name the Friday reference in 8F8F? I was just watching Friday the other day. Too. Well, the next Friday the other day. I think Comedy Central or like one of these channels was playing like Friday, fra- f- next Friday and Friday after next, like one, two, three. And we were watching next Friday. I had never seen any of them. I saw the first one last summer for the first time. But I've not seen the sequels. My friends fucking loved them when we were in grade school. They like thought it was like the funniest movies ever. He says the Friday reference. Oh, I know this line in the movie. What? I didn't know it was a Friday reference. Comes after from Tej after Ramsey asks him and Roman what her last name is. They say some things and Tej says, hey, Miss Parker. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Because his name is Tej Parker. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep, exactly. Watching the bonus scenes and gag reels from 5F5F, and they're as classic as you would expect. Only a few deleted scenes, but when you've watched this movie at least 25 times, it's nice to see something you haven't yet. Giselle had some funny reels. Rock had a homoerotic gesture slash assault, which made me laugh. I'm not saying it anymore because you should watch it if you haven't. The, enti- the Enter Federal Agent Hobbs bonus feature is inspiring. Rock and Vin talking good about each other briefly and talking about how badass P walks is. Ooh, that sounds doubly, doubly nice. That is really cool. I, we've never watched the the high like the bloopers or anything, right? We just did the extended scenes. We like saved them. Yeah, the missing pieces lab. We were gonna do everything, and then when I was like, oh no, that's crazy. Why? 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 What? Why no. cram it for no reason when we could just drag this out forever? So I think that's what the idea, and like you rightly talked me out of it, that like on a Tuesday we were, because that was when we were doing two a week. I was like, okay, on a Tuesday we can watch like the Fast and the Furious, and then on Friday we can do all the deleted scenes and bonus features and whatever. You're like, I, I don't want to do that. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> we'll cover them at some point, because there's there's a lot of features. I mean, we did all the deleted scenes, so we're pretty confident we got all those, we but there's a lot like more to do. We watched part of the first feature. I think we watched the first feature for the first one when we were doing that, we were like, yeah, we got enough. Like, the, the deleted yeah. scenes is good enough for now. We yeah. don't need to make four-hour epi- episodes to cover all of this, when we could just drag this out, so. Yeah. 
I have a question. If they were going to break Dom out of jail, why did he turn himself in? Is it because he didn't think he was going to get life and plan to do his time and go free, but then got life and decided they needed to break him out? Or did he have nothing to do with it and was surprised by the whole breakout? Good question. The only reason why you turn yourself in is because you would think that you were going to get out of it, right? And it seemed like everybody was kind of surprised by the, like, you get life in jail. Everybody's like, what the fuck? And then Dom's like, gotta do my time. But really, he knows that now they're gonna break him out. Yeah, it did seem like the judge had a vendetta that he wanted to make a statement out of Dominic Toretto, right? And so I think, I think so. you know, maximum, what was it? No, it wasn't life in prison, was it? I, I, 25 I years? It was a long time. Whatever it was, it was a long ass time. Yeah, it was a long time. You know, say it doesn't, say it's not that, like, Five to ten, like he's only five to ten. Yeah, if he had like a two-year bid, like a three-year bid, and it was like, and he's like, okay, look, after a year, I'm gonna get out on parole. Like Dom would do that. Everybody'd be like, cool, he's gone for a year. Like that's fine. It would fit even in the storyline, right? It's like, okay, he went to jail, he came out in a year. Cool. Yeah, I don't know. Your guess is as good as ours. Wells just realized they throw it back to two F two F for a second when Rome starts running cop cars off the road like he was back in Barstow in the Derby. They put his skills to use three movies later. Cool. <laughs> Yes, they do. I always forget that he's like a demolition derby master. So his his uh, wheeling and dealing there on in the car pushing cars off the road absolutely tracks. It's like a positive character trait that they continued. I don't think they meant to at all. But yes, Who I knows? agree. Who knows? Okay, dudes, I'll catch you on the other side. Until next time, peace easy. Well, thank you, Wells. Thank you, Wells. Thank you for writing in. Always good to hear from you, brother. The next email from Justin Kleiman, subject line, One Fast, One Furious in El Teatro. <laughs> Just got back from seeing number one in the theater. It was the first time I've seen it on the big screen. It was so much fun. There were maybe 10 other people besides my friend and I. Definitely a few little things we both noticed on such a big screen. Oh, what were they? The one thing we both saw that we were both amused by, or very amused by, happens in the 93rd minute, a minute you called Spray and Pray. The minute features some bullet-style car jumps. In one of them, there's an apartment in the background. On the second floor of balcony at 9311, you can see the person who lives in the apartment leaning out over the edge of the camera, taking pictures of the stunt. We found this to be really funny, imagining him sitting in his apartment all day, waiting for them to get up and set up, and roll film so you can take that picture. Too fast <laughs> next Friday. That's cool. <laughs> That's really cool. And something we didn't catch. No. Do you remember? So a shout out to one of our other podcasts. Remember when we watched War of the Worlds for Magic Mike's and a movie that Channing Tatum is not in? He got cut out of, yeah. We did that in person on New Year's Eve at your house. Yeah. In that movie, I think they filmed that in Boston. And the way that they got all these extras, because, like, you know, that movie's about an alien invasion. Yeah. And there's a scene where everybody, like, runs outside because there's, like, an alien happening. But obviously, it's all CGI, all Ed F the fact. But they wanted all these people outside to be like, oh, my God, there's an alien. I want to take pictures. But they just like, hey, Tom Cruise is here. Come outside and take pictures. And so they just sent everybody outside. So it's just funny like, when people are, I guess, in that case told about this in this case they probably just saw a sign like you know uh, filming here this week or whatever right like yeah. just being ready for the picture which i think is it's awesome that is really funny that they could just be like tom cruise is walking down your street and everybody be like what the fuck and just like run yeah. outside like oh my god it's really it's real yeah if i remember right i think the deal was like they could take pictures of him as long as they got the shot for the movie first which was yeah cool yeah and he's an alien anyways so that's totally fine <laughs> Thank you, Justin. Enjoy too fast. Let us know. I'm sure you will email again. Let me let us know. I mean, that's cool. That was super so. This cool. episode will come out on the Patreon feed before you go to see that movie in theaters. So I'm sure you, I think he listens generally on Fridays. If you listen to this, I'm sure you will. Uh, you know, send in what your thoughts are. If you found something new, I mean, we haven't broken it down minute by minute. So like seeing something new for the first time in the first movie is kind of a 
I don't want to, like, you know, pump us up, but, like, a bigger deal, because, like, we spent so much goddamn time, time so watching much that time. movie. So much time watching that movie. But, yeah, to find something new is super awesome. And also, I'm glad you're just enjoying it. I think, I think it will be fun. I'm jealous. Like I said, I don't have any around me that do it. So enjoy it for us all, brother, please. Yeah. Next, two emails in a row from Jenny McMullen. First line, first one, subject line, sent from home on a Sunday. What's up, Jenny? How are you doing? Hi, guys. Glad Joe enjoyed my quote, almost perfect last email so much. Today, as I was deleting some emails, I came across the vote for bonus movie one. It mentioned blank, and you having no ideas might I suggest none other than a certain movie that I have thought about. According to one article I found, the timeline for those movies, this this franchise, is as unclear as The Fast and Furious, but this movie in particular is not only modern, but future. Oh, I don't know what it is. You could also consider an earlier movie, the second one on the franchise, as it is mostly cars, except that can, that doesn't quite fit the theme, but we could have done it for a different... Yes, yes, yes. No spoiler, yes. read on. I also saw the trailer for F9, didn't get to rewatch it as it was on my mom's TV, and I think we were live, no DVR, or maybe it was during the Kentucky Derby. Looks exciting. My mom wondered who one of them was, and I said, John Cena. Well, that's it for now. Later, Jen. Oh my God, John Cena's in the movie? How did she even see him? How did she? <laughs> Whoa. So like, there's certain wrestling things that I know, like you can't see me, and there's a, there's a line, I think in, in last week's Young Rock and yes. this week's Young Rock, where I was just like, that's got to be a thing, and I Google it, and like, it's a thing. So like, well, you know, you can't see me as a wrestling thing that I that's like the one thing I know about him right so yeah he says shut your mouth and know your role and I always start like giggling when he drops him and Rachel's like is that like a rock like I'm like yeah it's it's a rock quote they like threw one of those in there like because like she doesn't know them either right but like I'll be like ha like and she'll be like okay yeah I mean in this one he calls somebody a Rudy Pooh candy ass I was like that's not a line yeah. that made up for the show right so yeah it's definitely not so Jenny in response to your email I have thought about this movie so I will say that this movie is a movie that we covered for a different podcast Ooh, and big I hint. thought big hint Mike has covered another movie in the podcast for another movie in the series for his podcast and I thought about putting because like it, it's a slam dunk like this is it's a movie we've mentioned on the podcast very recently. And many, many times, actually. Yep. Oh, yeah. very true. <laughs> very, very true. Pretty much every episode we mentioned this Almost every movie. episode. And I thought about it, and like, we could. like, there, like That's a movie that I would watch literally any same, day. Same, I would like to rewatch it. I'm just trying to figure out, like, there's a balancing act, because like a lot of the patrons picked this lap, because I guess this lap was more appealing. And so I'm trying to balance, like, we have fewer slots, but we'll figure it away. I think we'll do that movie, because... Why not? We, we do can do it. it as a patron movie, at the, at the worst case. We'll figure it out. And now the timeline's going to become even more confusing, because they... Here's another hint. Uh, adding another movie to the franchise. Ooh. So nice if anybody out there doesn't know what we're talking about uh you should like it's if you, you listen should. you should definitely figure it out yeah. and also if you don't don't feel bad oh yeah very true good point joey pretty much joey tells me the movies that we're going to cover and i forget them between the beginning and the end of the episode so so yeah don't so feel bad. last week as you listened on the show uh joe forgot to do like two-thirds of his homework yes yes and then today he's like i'm gonna be good i did the minute we watched young rock and now i'm watching pulp fiction and i'm like pulp fiction You're like oh sorry kill bill i was like dude like if you showed up here watching pulp fiction be like, what? what god damn it like i don't know what more I to, like i literally have a document where it's like this is what we're talking about this is what you need to watch that you check yeah this was in reply to joey sending me the like the pictures the he's gonna yep. use of uma thurman in kill bill mm-hmm. and i'm like i'm watching the movie i'm watching <laughs> like, pulp fiction right now i'll be watching ready watching pulp like, fiction right now <laughs> and like it was one of those things where i'm like I can't tell if this is a joke or if your brain is broken. (laughs) Or if I need to catch him before he finishes Pulp Fiction and didn't watch Kill Bill. But no, I was actually watching Kill Bill. I just said Pulp Fiction. Wild. It was was okay. (laughs) 
at the absolutely end of absolutely wild. At the end of it, it was all right. Yeah. All right. The next email from Jenny is sent from home on a Sunday evening. So Ooh. we with time progressed. Okay. Okay. Hi, guys. I've got exciting news for you again as I was scrolling through my email when I came across an email from December with a Patreon link for podcasts. I pasted in my Apple Podcast app and it worked. Oh, good, 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 good. good. Finally, I got the Patreon yay. feed and Hobbs and Shaw Lap 8's already downloaded. I will go back and listen to the bonus episodes. Looking forward to the Varsity Blues episode with Brian Slumber Party Rodriguez and the sensual <laughs> microphone. I previewed <laughs> the first few minutes. Will wonders never cease? Spoken like a true Gen Xer later Jenny. Well, that's the background. <laughs> she was having all of the trouble in the world with Patreon. The link, the R- finally yeah. worked. Yes. And cool. Like that's awesome. Open, but and now the good news, Jenny, is that you never need to go back. Like yeah. now that you have that yeah. link, unless like your credit card gets expired or whatever, you never have to return to Patreon because there's never anything there that like you don't get just delivered to your phone. So congratulations. Yeah, it's all set now. Awesome. Good news. Very very cool. That fucking Varsity Blues sexy microphone episode still cracks me up every time I think about it. It was so funny. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Our next email, also from Jerry, once again. Subject line, NFL Draft. Ooh, what's up, Jerry? Hey, guys. First things first, happy birthday to Samoan Thor, a.k.a. The Rock. I was watching a bunch of his old matches. Okay, and then change the subject. But yes, happy birthday once again to Mr. The Rock. Happy birthday, Mr. The Rock. Anyway, I was nervous as fuck because of the NFL draft for the 49ers in the third pick. Oh, right. He's a, 40, he's a Niners fan, too. Okay, oh, so we got God, him, Wells, and, yeah. and Zach, right? And I had Zach here, and we were just like... We were preparing Zach that they were going to take Mac Jones all day, and he's like, they can't do it. And I think that literally the 49ers fan base shamed the franchise into not taking Mac Jones. There's no way they traded all that draft capital to get Trey Lance. I don't know anything about this stuff, so. Okay. I I realized how out of the loop I was with the NFL when they're like, here's the NFL comp. And I'm like, I don't even know that guy. (laughs) Not only do I not know the college guy because I don't watch college football, but it's just like. It's like, oh, this guy's just like, you know, the Raiders, like, you know, Waller, like Darius, whatever his name is, Waller on the Raiders. I'm like, I don't oh, really I like know Waller. him. You watched Hard Knocks, though. Yeah, but like, I don't think about them as NFL players. I just think about them as like reality characters, star people. C- characters in a yeah. show. <laughs> oh, God. It's like this this year, I only watched the Vikings. Like, I didn't watch any other games. And so, yeah, you know, I don't I get know. It. I hated the media saying we're going to pick Mac Jones since he would have been there at 12, but I love the situation of Trey Lance and overall the draft. One of my friends literally said if the Niners picked Mac, he would have jumped to the Raiders bandwagon. Oh, oh, man. Uh, hey, hey, those are fighting words no matter what your team is. We don't threaten to change teams no matter what dumb shit our team does. Joe, too, I love Najee Harris. He's from the Bay Area and got to meet him yep. once donating food to the same shelter. He's amazing and humble. I would get a Steelers hat and Stitcher's name on a number on there. So I'm asking what you think. I am so excited about Najee. He is a wonderful, wonderful boy from all accounts that I've seen. He's already in Pittsburgh handing out food and, like, doing charity work. And considering we've had, you know, people throwing furniture, children off a balcony on our team recently, I'm much happier having upstanding citizens. Two thumbs up from me. And, yeah, I think, he, like, Snoop Dogg called him after the draft. So I assumed that he was from the the Bay Area if Snoop had his phone number, like, on speed dial. I like how the Steelers – and I know this is, like, more like an, a widespread NFL problem. I like how the Steelers are so good at, like, hiring coaches. They're like, you know, we've had, like, six coaches in the last 80 years or whatever, right? It's, and, like, they it's four. Like, it's, like, it's, it's literally 
three and 60. Yeah. Yeah. And yet like they can't get culture fits like to save their goddamn life. Like just like, Oh, like let's just get ego. Right. Like it's just like, we can't, we can do one thing better than literally any other team in the NFL. And the other one just like, Hey, where are all the biggest assholes in the world playing? Like probably the Steelers and sometimes the Bengals too. But like, you know, now that Vontez perfect is gone. Like it's kind of just the Steelers. Yeah. Uh, they, they definitely have, e- they have diva problems. I, and ego problems, but like lots of diva problems. Tomlin says it all the time. He's like, we'll tolerate you till we until we can replace you. They were, for a period, valuing talent over personality, and I think they're kind of culturally shifting. Joey, going to you two with a picking up a quarterback. I yes. do like it since it kind of puts Kirk on notice, like, oh, shit, I really need to ball out, not saying he wasn't so what's your input as well? Like, okay, so I, I tweeted this. I never heard of this guy because I don't watch college football. Yep. Read a bunch of things and I watched a handful of videos and it's like, this guy will be, like he has like the talent to be like the best quarterback in the NFL or like he should not even be on an NFL roster. So I don't know what to think. <laughs> I mean, that's every kid in the draft, right? Like literally everyone in the draft is either like, he's going to be the greatest player alive or like he should have never been chosen. Yeah, I don't know. Like they yeah. uh, three quarterbacks went off the board and like in the span of four picks when they took their quarterback and by that point I wasn't watching the draft anymore. I'd watched the first I watched the first round, which I didn't think I was going to watch the first round, then I it's watched fun. most of the second round. And I'm just like, I don't actually give a shit. Like, I'm good. And I just like followed along and just, you know, on like Vikings Twitter or whatever, but like I was reading about cuz they were comparing the three different quarterbacks and apparently the guy that the Texans drafted Mills like has the yeah. highest ceiling but also the injury risks and whatever, so I don't know. The Texans are fucked, dude. They need to be I, I was saying they need to be relegated to the XFL because like they're just a mess. Like, let them go clean their shit up in the minor leagues and come back because they're just The really... Calgary Stampeders, the CFL. We'll talk yeah, about yeah. that, too. Oh, yeah. One more thing for both of you guys. Where do you think Aaron Rodgers and Watson go? Watson isn't playing this year. I'll call it. And as for Aaron, I'm not entirely sure. Looking forward for both inputs. Sorry, this was more NFL than Fast and Furious. It's okay. Uh, I think Watson is going straight to jail because there's been a lot of right. allegations that came out against him. For anybody that doesn't know, Deshaun Watson likes massage parlors a lot. Well, not even massage parlors. He just likes harassing masseuses that yeah, he finds it's more on than Instagram. That. It's not, it's not, yeah, it's not the act of going. It's his behavior once he's there. Yes. And Aaron, I don't know about Aaron Rodgers, dude. I have no idea. Well, on the night of the draft, they're like, it's a done deal. He's going to San Francisco. It's a done deal. He's going to Denver. It's just like, well, neither of those happened. Well, because he doesn't have any weight in this. Like, he has to convince the team to trade him, right? He's still on their contract. So he needs to, like, throw, like, a hissy fit, like, AB or something to get thrown off the team. But they're not, they don't want to trade him. They're going to wind up firing their GM, is what I think it is. They're going to fire their GM to make him happy. And that's what's going to happen. And then he's going to stay in Green Bay. But I'm glad I'm not a Green Bay fan because I did. Yeah, I'm kind of loving it. It's just like, yeah, exactly. If this was happening to the Browns, I would definitely be laughing about it, too. I get it. Yeah, I hope he retires and just uh, just does Jeopardy. He can't. AJ Hawk, that's always on Pat McAfee. That's like one of his like BFFs was like, there's no fucking way he's retiring. He just is like flexing on the Packers. So, well, that's why he was saying like about he's like why I can do Jeopardy. It's like because I only have to work like 16 days a year or whatever for Jeopardy. Like it just it's like a non-commitment basically. So, I mean, you have to be good. Like you have to have certain skills, but like the schedules match up. It's like you can easily do both. So, you know. Yeah. So thank you, Jerry. Next email from Alex Ellenin. This has a picture component. I'm going to send this to you on Facebook. Okay, let me see. So Matt Lowe's, and this catches my eye. Don't we know this guy? <laughs> and there are gloves by the brand Wells Lamont, quality since 1907. I would love if Wells Lamont was not his actual name. This is like a long con that this is like some kind of like Andy Kaufman shit. <laughs> and he's just playing this glove manufacturer? I don't know, man. That's so weird. Wells, do you know that this exists? That you have your own brand of gloves? Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. It's crazy to see, though. 
good pick up Alex. <laughs> yes. So shout out to Alex Wells. Please let us know if you know about that. Thank you very much. Yeah. And the last one is not an email. This is another YouTube comment, but a constructive YouTube comment. And Joe, this is gonna this might blow your mind. What? So gamer sly ratchet one. So I'm guessing this is a PlayStation gamer okay. uh, commented on our Spy Racers Mexico episode and says, I remember hearing this show was getting seven seasons total. It sounds what? wild, but considering how small the seasons are and how we're on a fourth already, it's honestly more realistic than expected. So I commented back. He has not he has not responded yet, but I was just like, this is insane, but kind of makes sense. But let me know if you hear anything else. So, you know what? I, dude, I think the fucking Netflix people are listening to us. And they just keep dropping little dimes here. We had a comment on the last one asking us how, what we thought about Tony and Layla. We had a comment on this one like we heard we're get, they're getting seven seasons. I think Kevo was onto it. And I think they fucking listened to the episodes. So if you're from Netflix and you listen to these episodes, write in and we'll talk to you about it. Please. Yes, please. And well, you know, if you're on, if, if you're a Netflix you person, we'll have you on the show. Just be on the show. We could do a voice modulator. We can get you a sexy microphone filter. Yeah. Whatever you want, man. That's all the email for today. Family at cageclub.me. If you want to email in, if you want to be a anonymous source, we can make that. We can hook that up. I'll figure it out. I'll Wiki download leaks. a plugin. WikiLeaks, yeah. It's Edward Snowden. Too fast Edward Snowden. <laughs> Joe, on the streets, news about the Fast and Furious. There was a double dose of rock Young news. Rock news that got renewed for season two. That last night was the finale of season one. Yep. There's a season two coming. Yep. We also have College Age Dewey in Black Adam along with The Rock, which I I, I called. I was just you, like, you totally these dudes it, are going to yeah. be everywhere. And so he's a jacked dude of like adult size, right? So like he's he'll monstrous. be in a superhero movie. Yeah. But anything else that you have seen in the world of Fast and Furious? Nothing besides those. The Rock news was the big ones to me, so... So there are two other things that I've seen. So I think because we're like, you know, we're within, within a couple months of F9 coming out and we're, yeah. they're all on the press tour, sort of, kind of, slowly. Vin Diesel went on Entertainment's Binge Podcast, Entertainment Weekly's Binge Podcast. Okay. And talked about how he wanted to do the Fast and Furious and then why he almost didn't. Why he wanted to do too fast, too forever? No, he wanted to do the first one. Well, the first, the first one. Oh, I thought they, I, I thought they was telling them why he was going to do our podcast, but then almost, and then didn't, and then went. No, to that would be that would be a binge. weird thing to read on Entertainment Weekly. Yeah. <laughs> so he says that when they came to him for the first movie, they sold him on the idea like they're okay, we're going to be in the car with you, and we're going to follow it from your eye down your arm and into the engine. He's like, that sounds awesome. I'm in. Yeah. And then he yeah. read the script, and it's just like, oh, this is not this is not what I thought it was going to be. And apparently, like, in the first draft of the script, like, there's a lot of things that, like, I'm sort of skimming but not reading because I don't want to absorb spoilers. But it's okay. like Letty was originally – as we've talked about, as we've heard before, Letty originally written as, like, a trophy girlfriend. And I think there was just a lot of stuff in here that it was not an ideal script. And so he – they had on file or on retainer or whatever David Ayer, who – wrote training day but has since gone on to like write and make end of watch and he's done a bunch of great movies and some not so great movies but he rewrote the first movie and like made it much more of what like vin wanted what was like a better thing overall but you know we almost didn't have our dominic toretto in these movies that would be wild i don't think that there'd be 10 of them without without vin diesel right there might not even be a second one i don't know i have no idea (sighs) i don't know either but i'm glad that the world played out as it did because i really enjoyed 
enjoy these. I can't. I, I just can't imagine anybody else being Dom at this point. Now that we're jaded with him right. being in them, but at the same time, I'm like anybody from around that time that I want to replace him with, like it just doesn't work right. The other thing that I did not read yet is that they did uh, Entertainment Weekly also did an oral history of the first movie, which I think is pretty cool. Which I love these. This is pretty pretty lengthy, which is good. Let's see who's in this one. The guy who wrote the article of Racer X. We got Neil Moritz, the producer. We got mm. Paul Walker. I don't know when. How? What? When is this from? Probably like one of these like blooper things. The writer spoke to Paul Walker in 2013, months before his death. So, mm. okay. Uh, but they got Paul Walker. They got Vin Diesel. They got Jordan Rooster. They got Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, they got David Ayer, who I just mentioned as the co-writer. They got Chad Lindbergh. They got Hector, Noel Guglielmi. They got the guy who is the picture car coordinator. They got Johnny Strong, who plays Leon. They got a bunch of different people in here in, in the oral history. So check out Entertainment Weekly. Fuck, let's go do it in oral history of the Fast and the Furious. That's a really good title, because <laughs> I'm yeah. sure that that's pretty much how that went down, right? So, yeah. Fuck, let's go do it. So that's all the news that I've seen, I think, on the streets. If, you have, if you've seen Fast and Furious news, email in family at cageflow.me. Let us know for the next episode. Yep. We're going to be getting stuff more soon, I think. Yeah, right? it's so, going to be a ton of spoilers, I think. It's going to be coming fast and furious. Yes. Joe Young Rock, two episodes. So last week, Good vs. Great. Yes. This is a College Dewey one. This is him trying to make basically make a career out of football, and it's not exactly going so well. Yeah, I really like this one. I think that as it grows, I really like the University of Miami ones just because it's interesting from a sports perspective, too. Right. Because he was on a team with Warren Sapp and Ray Lewis. Mm-hmm. That locker room had to be fucking wild, right? Like, that just insanity. Like, it's not even like the—it's like the linebacker's room, right? Or like the defense, the defensive locker room. I really like that one, and I, you're right, I'm really, really getting hype on College Rock being in other things, because I'm like, he's awesome, I think he's a good actor, and he's fun, yeah. Yeah, so like, yeah. I'm excited to see more of him. There was something, my fucking worlds collided in this episode, and I okay. do not think you will know this bit of trivia. So we're watching this episode, you know, and as I mentioned, they have Warren Sapp in it, and then, like, he's like, okay, like, the next year was going to be my year, and he meets this freshman in the gym, and it's Ray Lewis, and it's like, oh, man, they're like, oh, it's Ray Lewis, and you're like, oh, crazy, like, everybody knows who Ray Lewis is if you know football, so uh, you're like, oh, well, Ray or Lewis Or if you is. know murder. If you, yeah, or if you know stabbings, um, then you know who Ray Lewis is. The guy who played Ray Lewis in this episode, do you know who he is? No, I didn't look it up. You didn't need to. He is a person that was on season two of Temptation Island. <laughs> really? Wow, I okay. I swear to God, yes. He's one of the cast members of Temptation Island season two. And Rachel was like, I kept looking at him like I, she found it. And she's like, I kept looking at him like, I recognize this guy. I recognize this guy. I was like, yeah, me too. Like, he looked very familiar. But we watched so much shitty TV, SBU and stuff that I thought maybe it was like somebody like that. Right. But no, it was a it was a guy from Temptation Island. That's who it I was. I mean, it's funny because like you just need like a jacked dude, right? Who can like deliver a couple lines. So, yeah. you know, he's in one scene, right? Like, he's just, he's in the locker room before Dewey gets there, so. So, I was like, this is mind-blown. This is really, really crazy. That was my big takeaway from that episode. I like the little jokes that they put in at the beginning as much as we were like, do they use this thing all the time? But, like, the future things, like, he was, he didn't get picked for the role of, of whatever in Lin-Manuel Miranda's. Lin-Manuel Miranda remade Major League as a musical. <laughs> yes! Like, yeah. Okay. 
and like cool. that idea is like just beautiful to me. Like sometimes yep. those little jokes are really really good. So so this was one where like so I watched this when I was supposed to I know, before I they know. renewed it for season two, and I was like this might be the end of the show because like they rushed through to the end of his college career. Like I thought like we could add a lot more stories. Yeah, I, mean, I know that he yeah. wasn't like, you know, really a college athlete, but like he could, like he was like, I'm not saying he wasn't an athlete, but like he didn't have much, a lot of playing time. That's kind of the point of these stories, right? Like it's just yeah. like, he wanted to play, coach didn't want to play, whatever. And I'm like, I wonder if this is like the end of the show. Cause like they kind of wrap this story up, but I'm guessing that they could also continue on and like have him getting into acting or whatever. Right. Like, and just keep going. There's no reason that he can't go back and be like, and then this is a story from when I was a sophomore. I feel like what they're, and maybe they're not, but I feel like there is a forward momentum to all three ages. I agree, but I'm saying they don't need to do that. True, yeah. But also, like, you know, let's jump to the, the finale of Election Day. Like, at the end here, they have the NFL draft. Like, this is the first episode, I think, unless maybe there was one really early on, but I don't remember it, but, like, all three ages were in this one, and they all That's kind the of get, like, a one. resolution. I think the first one was, like, all three ages. Which would make sense, yeah. yeah. So in the in the young one, you know, he learns the importance of real talk with his mom, just, like, loving her, and then in high school, he works with the courage to, like, ask Karen out and whatever. In college age, he gets to the NFL draft. He, you know, he can, or high school, he also convinces the University of Miami to recruit him. Yeah. Which, if you think about it, like, all these other colleges wanted him and probably had less demanding rotations. Like, he probably could have been, like, a four-year starter at another school that wanted him, yeah, right? Yeah. So, like, you know, but he, the whole episode was about how, like, he wanted to go to the University of Miami and convince them to, to recruit him and then didn't get to play, whatever. And then in college, you know, we see the NFL draft, he goes undrafted, and then he winds up in the CFL as a member of the Calgary Stampeders. And so, like, we're moving forward on all these stories. So here's the thing. What? If they want to do, like, a story from his, like, sophomore year of college, they could just have, like, high school Dewey now be college Dewey? No, why would they need to do that? If you're moving forward, because the high school story is over, essentially. It could be. Like, he got recruited. He's in the University of Miami. He, you know, he did Oh, you're prom. right. We could just shift everybody up one? Yeah. Oh, you're right. I didn't even think about that. You're, that. That makes perfect sense to me, too. And they just, like, let high school Dewey become college Dewey as he gets older, and it just tracks, right? Yeah, and, like, middle school Dewey is, like, he's definitely going to, that kid's going to hit puberty, like, between season one and two or two and three. And you know what I mean? Like, he's not going to look like that. So, no, like, no. He yeah. could have growing pains getting into young high school. You know what I mean? So that's true. And big Dewey, the call, the college Dewey now is just going to be the wrestler, right? He's just yeah. going to become. I, rock. I, yes, I imagine so. Like acting and wrestling and all that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. I also think it's very funny that like I I've been doing it and you're doing it now too. Like just calling him Dewey, not the Rock, not Dwayne, just Dewey. It just he's Dewey. Like <laughs> the show has made him Dewey. It has. I mean, that's what they call him. So yes, I I agree. Once you hear Dewey, you can't undo it. One of the coolest things from this uh, finale episode last night, when he's watching the draft, they're playing Cream. Obviously, Cream and Wu Tang are like you know everywhere. But like we're watching this before we watch Kill Bill. Yeah. And we just watched Shogun, Shogun Assassin, Assassin and mm-hmm. all the Lone Wolf and Cub movies. Just like yeah, all all the connections. I was just like, oh yep, everything is one big circle. So yep. Uh, my favorite moment in this mo- in this in this episode is when High School Dewey shout out shouts out uh, Paulie's robot from Rocky Four because yes. Rocky Four is my favorite Rocky. <laughs> yes, and he's just like oh, he's got to in like it just it's just funny because it's dumb. But I was just like hell yeah, reference Rocky Four. We get so this we do not know if he wins a presidency or not, which I think is probably the right call to make. The right call. Like, it's like hey yeah, f- future president The Rock. Like you know it was for as foretold on Young Rock. But he does have a lead. Dude. You know we get his campaign slogan no must no fuss. But like it seems like he's going to win but also he might not i am so terrified if he does become president that this will be like now history hey man this podcast is history <laughs> yeah 
it is. I'm just saying. But like, imagine being like, yes, you know, like kids are digitally watching holograms of their history lesson. Well, I mean, you're like, I'd rather have them watch this than like episodes of The Apprentice. I 100% agree. Or Home Alone 2. I, I 100% agree. But they'll be like, yes. And then, and then like, as part of a, a new bold campaign strategy, President Dwayne Johnson rolled out a sitcom about his life to prepare the public for his announcement. You're just what like, I thought you were going to say was that you, that like, you see this as a way, like if he becomes president, that other people would be like, oh, I can just write a show where I become president and then like it works so <laughs> no also terrifying but close yeah but also like you can't just like you like not everybody can have a tv show and like you need to like you need yeah. to be charming and charismatic and like have the ambition and the drive and the success or whatever so like there will be a precedent the Dewey precedent yeah there will be I also really liked at the end of this so like spoilers the final shot of this but like they get on the elevator because his real mom shows up and they're talking about yes. things and they get on the elevator and then as they're about to get off they see in the reflection, you know, his mom and young Dewey from like the youngest. That was the I was just cutest like, That's thing. Very cute and very sweet. And just like, you know, yep. they're still inside them all along, which I really liked. I really liked that too. And when we finished this, I looked at Rachel and I was like, this is so wholesome. I could definitely watch another season of this. There's like nothing bad in this show. So it'll be back. I don't know it'll when. I don't know if it's going to be like late this fall or next year or what it's going to be. But season two has been confirmed, as we talked about. So. More yeah. Young Rock to come. Yeah, Any other I'm thoughts excited. about Election Day or Good vs. Great? No. I I, th- I thought it was good. You should watch cool. the show. If you haven't, go binge it. It's it's really easy watching, as we've said the whole time. And if you like The Rock at all, it's just fun. The final thing to do before we take a break is to talk about the Fast and Furious Minute. Too Fast, Too Furious. Minute 9, a minute I called You Ain't Passing Me, Dog. minute the race continues racers shift gears and vie for the lead brian tries to overtake slapjack for the lead but slapjack keeps in front of him and that's all that happens that's all that happens so i was hoping personally for me like i said last episode that you get more like inside shots nope of the cars you get very quick very blurry ones i noticed some cool things Orange Julius has neon lights inside his car next to his okay emergency brake too uh, I noticed that Brian has three screens in his car at the same time, and two of them are showing the same thing. I couldn't really get a good look at Suki's. I, I really, really remember a, a shot of her looking at, like, some kind of cartoon on her screen, and I, we haven't gotten there yet. And I nope. don't know if I'm just hallucinating that or not. Well, we have we have several more. I, I'm guessing we have three or four or five more minutes of this race. Like, this is, like, the first, like, this is an entire minute of a race, but, like, there's a lot more to come. I think so, too. Also, you noted that Brian's odometer has not changed since last minute. It's still 41.045, so he's not driven a mile yet, apparently. <laughs> no, I haven't. 
<laughs> I mean, I just copy and paste that from the previous one because I was adding stuff to it. I just kind of oh, like add gotcha. on to it. Okay. Yes. I, I noticed two cool things in this. One is those trucks that he almost drives into are called Hino's. They're 1995 Hino FEs. I don't know what the fuck that is, but it was okay. very interesting to see. I was like, I wonder if like Car Movie Database has like what these trucks are. Yep, somebody knew exactly what they are. Oh, they're the Miami, they're Miami Herald. They're just newspaper delivery trucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like somebody knew what model they were, so I was like, that's cool. The cooler thing is that they're parked right there because that's actually like a throughway for this hotel. I found the hotel because I swear I feel like I've driven past it before when I was like when I'm in Miami. It just feels like very very familiar to me and I don't know if it's a we played a lot of Vice City and it's that or if we've actually driven by it in Miami. It has changed hands. It is no longer the Clarion Hotel and Suites Miami. It is now the Choice Hotels. No, it's River Park Hotel and Suites. Oh. But I put the Google Maps image. Did you click the Google Maps thing? Yep, that's it. Yeah, so that's exactly where they are. They changed the awnings. They're no longer red. They're green now, but that's exactly where they go through, and you can kind of walk down the street and see where they, like, go, oh, shit, and turn by the vans, newspaper trucks, and you can see where they go underneath. So we kind of have, like, a path of where they're going now. We had the starting line. We have this. We're kind of, like, tracking where the route is of this race. Cool. I very, very cool. cool. Yeah. Anything else you picked up in this minute? The neon lighting and the blurriness is really making this hard. Cuts are quick, too, but um, I was expecting to see more inside the car, so I'm hoping we get, like, at least one long shot where, like, I can't read. Oh, you're saying because it's so bright outside, it's hard to see inside. No, no, no. They have neon lighting in the car. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yes. Like, all of their cars, like, Brian has, like, a blue one. Orange Julius has orange. Suki has pink. And they're mainly showing you the gear shifter and the pedals. We don't have that, like, danger to manifold where you were, like, looking kind of at the dash. It's just different. It's definitely a different you know, director. So my question for this, also, we have music that starts Tej's Race of Four by David Arnold from the score begins in this minute, which we had no music last minute. And this minute, this music kicks in like 40 seconds in here. So the only question I could think of, unless we want to do something with the hotel or the newspaper delivery trucks, which I think that's kind of too obscure and too outside the box for people just watching the movie, but maybe not. But my question I came up with was who holds the lead for much of the beginning of the first race? Brian, Orange Julius, Slapjack, or Suki? And the answer here is Slapjack. Do you like that question or do you not like that question? I really like that question. I think it's fair. He also says, you're not passing me, dog, to like cue it up with the dialogue. I think that's a good question. Cool. So minute nine, you ain't passing me, dog. We have nine minutes, nine questions on the quiz. Getting close. We're only 41 weeks away from Joe thinking you can take the quiz. So just wait till... Question 50, and then we can do it. But, you know, you can take it any time, but it's easy. Yeah. I do wonder. Actually, Joe, I'm going to ask you a question without scrolling up. What was one that you thought? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Actually, I'm going to ask you two questions. Go ahead. Who calls Tej in the opening scene of Too Fast, Too Furious? Brian, Jimmy, Suki, or we don't know. Who calls Tej? Mm-hmm. Or not who does Tej call? Now, who calls Tej? Uh, it's Jimmy? Yep. In the film's opening race, what color is the painted starting line? Green, red, white, or yellow? I'm red. Yep. Okay. Difficult, difficult. And we just did these a couple weeks ago, so. Yeah, I got them both right, though, so that's good. You did. All right, let's take a break and let us come back and talk about Kill Bill Volume 1.
episode number 179, Kill Bill, Volume 1. This episode is brought to you by Gold Bond Foot Powder. The trusted formula is for if your feet are dry, rough, stinky, or in pain. Trust the brand that's been providing genuine medicated relief since 1908. Shout out to Gold Bond Maximum Strength Foot Powder. Well, shout out to Gold Bond and welcome back to Too Fast, Too Forever. We're talking about Kill Bill Volume 1, like we said on Friday. Kill Bill Volume 2 coming at you. Joe, do you have a preference between one and two without going into too much detail on this movie or that movie? Do you have one that you like more than the other one? Oh. It's okay if not. No, I I think I like one better, and that's like the perfect place to start, and that's because I think Sonny Chiba is the best part of this first movie. Yeah, no, my my big takeaway from this movie is that I was like, I kind of don't love the first like 45 minutes of this movie. Like, until it gets to Japan, I'm just like... Yes, yeah, okay. And then once I get to Japan, like the Hattori Hanzo stuff, the Sanchiba stuff, uh, the Crazy 88 stuff, and the Oren Ishii stuff, I'm like, this is all amazing. But I, I forgot there's such a clear delineation in my mind between, like, good and bad, or not good and bad, but, like, good and great. Because, like, for a long time, I would be like, yeah, Kill Bill is my favorite Tarantino thing. And I like yeah. two better than one, so we'll talk about that on Friday. Okay. I was kind of underwhelmed by much of the first half of this and then like as soon as like from the Hattori Hanzo scene on from the the sushi restaurant on I'm like this is great this is amazing right so I absolutely agree with you I think it's weird and and this was part of the message that we were talking about earlier when I told you I was watching Pulp Fiction I haven't seen this movie in forever and I feel like it's such a different watch this time because we watched everything leading up to this movie in this lap like we were just intentionally so yes yes intentionally so we were working our way here and to see like all the bits and pieces along the way culminate to this was made it like a very interesting different watch to me i don't mind the beginning stuff but i think it definitely hits its stride when you hit japan and sunny chiba there's a bunch of trivia on imdb i got rid of most of it but i'm gonna do some stuff and we can talk about the movie so some crossover stuff to what we've talked about before uh first off last lap two laps ago jesus two laps ago classic car map uh did death proof and star of that or one of the stars about zoe bell who is uma's stunt double in this movie yeah she actually split the baseball with samurai sword on set which is just amazing she's just she's wow everything i hear about zoe bell like her doing her own stunts and death proof her doing all of Uma's stunts here, like, or most of Uma's stunts here, right? Like, she's amazing. And for her to actually have the control with a sword to slice a baseball in half in midair is insane. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's terrifying in a great way. Uh, shout out to Lone Wolf. Actually, another um, Death Proof crossover. Quentin Tarantino said that Grindhouse films were a big influence on these movies, like Kill Bill 1 and 2, like, even to the point where, like, in the beginning, they have the our feature presentation and, like, just yes. kind of the pulpy nature of it all. They start with the Shaw Brothers thing on the HBO one, too. Yes. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. These are both on HBO Max. Yeah. Um, I watch on the Blu-ray. They're, it's on the Blu-ray, too. Yeah, like, that's just part of the movie, yeah, yeah. right? Lone Wolf and Cub reference, we were talking about in those episodes with Mike that, like, how much blood there is. Oh, uh, yeah. More than 450 gallons of fake blood were used in these two movies, which is just, it's an insane number. That's a lot of, that's a lot of blood. That's a ton. I was loving this, and whenever I'd see the blood spray, I would giggle and, like, look at Rachel. It feels so much like Tarantino obviously watched Shogun Assassin and, like, all the Lone Wolf and Cub movies, and he was like, look... I love the blood spray, but the only way we could make this cooler is if we, like, missed it more. Like, he has, like, a way more, like, misty effect. So I have trivia about that. Not the misting, but he wanted to achieve the specific look of the Chinese wuxia films. So, like, the martial arts films of the 70s. He gave his director of photography, Robert Richardson, a list of genre films as a crash crash course, including ones by genre pioneers Che Chang and the Shaw Brothers. Quentin Tarantino forbade the use of digital effects and, quote-unquote, professional 
gags and squibs. Instead, the blood on this movie, or these movies, I guess both of them, were done how Chang Chet did them, Chinese condoms full of fake blood that would splatter on impact. So it looks different because he wanted it to look different and mm. wanted it to look like it did in the 70s, which is just a cool little detail. You know, you know he's a film nerd. We talked about that a lot, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He just, it's something that he's like, I love the way that looks. Let's make it look like that. Yeah, that's really cool. Tokyo Drift sort of crossover so during the anime sequence with oren ishii's origins which i was also thinking like spy racers like that's animated with a different kind of animation style we would talk about with nico and kevo this is just anime in the middle of a live action movie and very akira that we watched this lab too right? yes 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 in this anime sequence you briefly see that her father held the rank of sergeant major in the u.s army so i'm just thinking of sean's uh, father being a military man not growing yes. up in a military base but like you know military yeah. Also, according to David Carradine, the man in the flashback who kills Oren's father is a younger Bill, so. It looks like Bill, and I got that vibe. I don't know if I knew that fact in the back of my head or not. When I saw him, like, kick, shoot the bottle and kick the cigarette to light it, it just, like, it felt very much like a young Bill. It did, sure. really did. There were a couple different, like, fan fear. I guess that's, like, a Carradine theory or whatever. I He passed away, but... It was a theory of his, I guess. There's other fan theories. The one that I kept in here was that they that people think that these movies or this movie in particular, or like the whole story or whatever, is actually like the failed pilot for Fox Force Five, which is if you have seen Pulp Fiction, like as you watch Pulp Fiction yeah, yeah, today, yeah. as you know, um, yeah. when when Mia and Vincent go out to dinner and she tells him that she's an actress and she had this failed pilot and he she explains what a pilot is and there's you know five foxy ladies whatever. Yes, it she's describing essentially this. So people think that like this is what that would have been to some extent, right? Because Tarantino's like, hey, I'm going to reference myself or whatever, like talking about remixing and... Always, yeah. Freddie Smith putting himself in the thing, right? But yeah, same thing. Plus, I can definitely see him, like him making Pulp Fiction, watching it at some point and going like, why don't the fuck don't I make that movie? That's a really great line. Like that would actually be a lot of fun. And then like as he like gets more like money and stuff... Him being like, yeah, I'm just going to make that. He obviously had this idea if it's in the dialogue, right? Like at some point, whether it was just like a weird dream idea or something, but it floated through his mind at one point. So then he was like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. I mean, it also fits with the whole like what he want, like just, you know, strong and kick ass women and like martial arts stuff and whatever. Right. Like the story goes that he wanted to make. I think he he wanted to make Pulp Fiction, but he knew he needed to make another, like a smaller movie first. He wanted to make Reservoir Dogs, but like to make Reservoir Dogs, he had to like raise money. So he wrote True Romance and sold that script and used that money to make Reservoir Dogs, and then based on the success of Reservoir Dogs, mm-hmm. you know, was able to make Pulp Fiction. So it's like the movie you want to make first is not always the movie you're allowed to make first because you can't just be like, hey, I got this great idea, that like, cool kid. Like, what have you done? It's like, well, I've done nothing, but like, give me like yeah, millions John of dollars. Travolta. Give me yeah. John Travolta and exactly. millions of dollars in Sam. Samuel Jackson, yeah. Right. Maybe it's the same thing. Like, maybe he wanted to make, like, Fox Force 5 in the 90s, and they're like, well, you know, maybe one day, kid. Like, you know, you had one good movie. Like, let's let's get a couple more under your belt or whatever, right? And yep. then... I 100% yeah. think that that's what it was. Yep. So this is another thing that Tarantino has lifted, because we talked about in the Death Proof episode two laps ago, where he's like, you know, this is from Crazy Larry, or Crazy Mary, Dirty Larry. This is from this. This is from that. This is whatever, right? Like, yeah. the line, my name's Buck, and I'm here to fuck, is apparently the opening line in Toby Hooper's Eaten Alive, where Robert Englund, who's the guy who plays, I want to say Freddy Krueger. Mm. Let's see here. Am I right or am I wrong? He, yes, he plays Freddy Krueger. Whew, I'm not an idiot. He says, like, the first line in that movie is, the name's Buck and I'm raring to fuck. So, like, not a movie we've covered, but just, you know, I never thought that was a line that he stole, but even <laughs> that just, like, okay, cool. Thank, thanks, guy. Yeah. Um, and the other cross the crossover connection we 
you sort of mentioned in the Young Rock thing, Wu-Tang-esque, Odd Future has a song, or I think it's Haji Beats, has a song, All Right, from 2010, that starts with Oren Ishii's, now if any of you sons of bitches got anything else to say, now's the fucking time. Like, that song yes. starts with that sample, so pretty cool. Just like how the Jizza used all of Shogun Assassin throughout Liquid Swords. They, yep. I mean, it's not like throughout this album, it's just the one thing, but still that's kind of cool. I like, I mean, I feel like these have bled over into like everything after it, right? Like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Tarantino wanted to cast a Japanese actress to play Oren Ishii, but then he saw Lucy Liu in Shanghai Noon, so he changed Oren to a Chinese-Japanese-American so Liu could play the part. So it's kind of cool, like, there's been a lot of people who have gotten in trouble, let's say, for acting in parts that should have gone to another actress. Yeah. Um, you know, like Emma Stone playing a Hawaiian, for instance, or yes. whatever, right? Yes, yes. Um, or Scarlett Johansson playing everyone but a white woman, right? So we've talked about that before. Always, yeah. <laughs> And so, like, this is not necessarily better because, like, you're like, oh, it should have just been, like, a Japanese actress instead of, like, the, you know, whatever. But it's cool that, like, he changed the script to fit the actress's heritage and history and, like, life and career, right? Like, I'm going to make her, for lack of a better word, because, like, that's how she's treated in this movie, like, make her mixed blood, like, be a, a plot point in this. So I think it's kind of a cool shift. Yes, because you, he had to have then adjusted the story to match it, right? Yes, yeah. Because like, that's not like, oh, it's just like, you know, now she's just like a different kind of person. It's like, no, like this is now a driving force in the in the story. And to integrate it like that is really cool. Yeah, like this is her entire, like why she is essentially so angry the entire time is because everybody looks down at her because like Japanese people don't see her as Japanese and Chinese people don't see her yep. as Chinese and like Americans don't see her as American. And like she has to constantly prove herself. And so the price you pay for bringing up either of those things as negatives, like collect your fucking head, right? Like it's just like, I'm going to, <laughs> I will murder you, literally murder you <laughs> murder if you, you don't give me the respect I deserve she's a good she's a good character in this movie i really yes. like lucy lou in this movie she's i think she's the best part of this movie i like like sunny chiba yeah but like it's like lucy lou is it, it's just it's, yeah it's crazy i personally just love sunny chiba in it yeah. but yes i can see it going either way and i mean that, that's not to take away from uma thurman who like this movie yeah. wouldn't work without like a, but just like it just oh right i get you god damn it Quentin and Uma talked about making this movie while making Pulp Fiction, that Quentin wanted to do a 70s-style kung fu flick, and then Uma had this idea for, like, a, you know, a woman beaten up wearing a wedding dress as, like, an opening to a movie, and they kind of merged them together. So, like, 10 years earlier or whatever, they were already kind of dreaming this movie up, so. Yeah, that's the Q and U. Q and U, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Obviously, of course, the tracksuit she wears in this is a it's by inspired by a movie that we covered game of death the bruce lee movie game 100%, of death. yeah this is interesting so in the crazy 88 fight scene i think the house of not house of leaves but it's the house of whatever showdown at the house of blue leaves like blue that's leaves. what that sequence is called yes. the movie goes from color to black and white and then back to color because apparently the mpaa in their infinite wisdom was like, this, this is too bloody. You can't show all this blood. So he's like, cool. What I'm going to do is I'm going to pay homage to 70s and 80s US TV airings of Kung Fu movies because in those, back when it was like stricter to get stuff on TV, they just made it black and white. So like it wasn't like red blood everywhere. And so they did it to protect viewers ostensibly from like these, you know, people were like, you shouldn't be watching this. And so Tarantino like listened to the MPAA, I guess begrudgingly, but also was able to like reference a cool thing that he grew up with. So... I think it's kind of a cool workaround, sort of. That's a really cool fact. I didn't know this 
it makes sense, but I didn't know this, and I really, really like that. And, like, in the Japanese version, it never goes to black and white. Ah, because they didn't care. Or it was, like, rated something higher. No, because, like, I mean, I just don't think they ever give a shit about blood. Like, they're just, all their movies are so bloody over there. Yeah, that's true. In the UK, like, nudity, nobody gives a shit about. But, like, if you show a gun, it's like, nobody can watch this, right? (laughs) And then here, it's just like, oh, my God, you you might see a hint of a nipple. Like, we need to rate this, like, R. You know what I mean? But, like, you can just have, like, in a PG thing, like, people shooting other people. Like, as long as you don't see... It's just, like, what What are we... What are we... What are we prioritizing in this country? I don't know. I didn't... I don't know. I struggle with this a lot. Uh, so, for the role of Bill, who was ultimately played by David Carradine, Jack Nicholson, your boy Jack Nicholson, our boy Kurt Russell, Mickey Rourke, Kevin Costner, and Burt Reynolds all passed on the role. Uh, Warren Beatty was offered the role of Bill, and I guess he had not been cast, but was like close, seemed closer than the rest of them. Eventually said that like he didn't want to do it because he didn't think that Bill should show up till the end of the second movie. And so he's not really in this movie, but he's kind of in this movie from here and like little points here, little points there, whatever. But after like they, not like I've had a falling out or whatever, but like the difference of opinion, he's like, you should cast David Carradine, which worked out, I guess. And Clint Tarantino said... That if Warren Beatty was cast, he'd have been more of a suave James Bond type of character, which is cool. But I kind of like when we get to to Bill, it's just kind of like this, like he's essentially playing Uncle Kamada, sort of, from Tokyo Drift. Like just a guy who's like seen some shit and like is kind of laid back because like he's done the thing already. Yeah, he has like a smooth cowboy kind of vibe to him and also like a kung fu kind of vibe to him. Like, the character Kung Fu, not, like, the movie genre Kung Fu, but right. both. Just because I haven't seen it, I wouldn't have enjoyed the character being more James Bond. I like him being more, like, yeah. cowboy, kind of. And I think that's also, you know, what we were saying earlier about, like, being, you know, having Vin Diesel as Dom Toretto. It's like, this is the bill that we know. Like, if the bill we yes. knew was always a James Bond guy, I'd be like, yeah, of course. Like, we can't have, like, a cowboy. Like, that, that makes no sense. <laughs> exactly. I agree. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if I'm, yeah. like, just blinded, like, by this, but... That's what it feels like to me. Well, speaking of cowboys, Quentin had Uma watch three movies to prepare for this role. John Woo is the killer. Uh, Coffee, starring Jackie Brown's star Pam Greer. Yeah. And Sergio Leone's A Fistful of Dollars. So a little That's bit of a... black exploitation, a little bit of spaghetti western, and a little bit of, I guess, Asian whatever, however you describe the killer, which I have not seen. But, you know, a little I bit of this, a little bit of that, a little seen. bit of that. I was actually, when we, like, we went through, like, a big black exploitation kick at the beginning. I did at the beginning of Pandemic, and I was watching Coffee and like all of these Pam Greer movies and yeah yeah it was fun so Hattori Hanzo the name was apparently born by four ninjas in feudal Japan the most famous was in the mid 16th century a strategist master of the spear and a man instrumental in ushering in the Tokugawa period of Japanese history Mm -hmm. which lasted from 1603 to 1868 so I guess I don't know if it meant something back then but it seems like four different people use that name and one of which was relatively important I guess yeah yeah it's like a cool pseudonym that they all kind of shared yeah i guess and sunny chiba played a character named hattori hanzo in a hit japanese tv show shadow warriors which is about ninjas of feudal japan so he already played hattori hanzo and i guess they brought him back so we we know that um tarantino loves doing shit like that too right yeah like just recycling like names of characters and other things Mm -hmm. so yeah Mm mm-hmm Speaking of Sonny Chiba, Quentin wanted three actors of different nationalities to represent their respective countries. Chia Hui Liu represents China. Shinichi Sonny Chiba represents Japan. And David Carradine represents the U.S. Tarantino had said that if Bruce Lee had been alive, he'd have been asked to bin and kill Bill as well, which would have been cool. But, you oh, know, obviously. He yeah. died 30 years earlier or whatever, right? So. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying also, like, does this not feel like a movie that Bruce Lee, like, as an old man, would have yeah. been, like, yeah. some 
some random guy in this movie, of course. They add a scene where like Uma goes to buy her tracksuit and just, you know, or her motorcycle or something. And it just, yes, it's a Bruce Lee guy just like, oh, I know who that is. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. It would be like, hey, I heard you need a tracksuit yeah. to groove in. <laughs> uh, so Pime, um, who is more in the second one, I think they might have mentioned him here, but he's first referenced in Shaolin Martial Arts. And he appears in several other Shaolin-related Gordon Liu films, directed by his adopted brother, who was a director of many of his early films and other acclaimed martial arts films. And numerous martial arts techniques in this film were used in those. So once again, just kind of taking, like, stuff that was done well before and implementing it in current day, right? So We cool. talked about this before because we had watched, like, one of the Pai Mei movies, like the movies that he's in. And I was like, oh, man, this reminds me so much of the guy from Kill Bill. And you were like, oh, yeah. Is. And like, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, him. it's yeah, literally like, that guy. Yeah. Because like in Kill Bill 2, which we'll talk about, like he's made up like he's not that old, but he's made up like all this like wispy white hair. And like he looks like he's an 80 year old dude. And like we see a movie from 30 years earlier where he's like actually like a 20 year old dude. And just like that. It, I guess it's the same person. But like, who knows? You know what I mean? So I don't know. And the last fact that I have is that Oren, at the end, spoilers. Um, also, by the way, I'm so glad that I don't have to tiptoe around spoilers for Kill Bill anymore. Even though I never actually had to. I was just doing it as a joke. But yeah. spoilers for the end of this conversation. Uh, Oren was supposed to get decapitated at the end of the movie. But they realized that if she had been decapitated, she wouldn't be able to say, oh, that was actually a Tori Hanzo sword. So like they just had her get scalped and die. So she could deliver the line. Exactly. I, in my head, I imagined it as she got decapitated. Like, I haven't seen this movie in a long time, and I remember the line, and I remember, like, her dying, obviously. I didn't remember it wasn't a decapitation until I just watched it this time. Like, when it happened, I was like, oh, yeah, she just scalped her. Like, I saw, like, the scalp fall off, and I was like, I thought it was her head, but that makes a lot of sense. That's all the trivia. That's all the good trivia, at least. And we'll have more, I'm sure, for Kill Bill 2 on Friday. But stuff that was related to us and just stuff that I thought was pretty cool. But Kill Bill 1... Here we go. Joe, do you have a pick for a cool moment? I guess it's a Tori Hanzo probably, right? <sighs> yeah, there's so many cool moments in this. I like when she's like, I'll collect your heads. That's a very, very cool moment. Oren, yeah. On the Oren on the table. One, oh, one of the coolest fucking moments for me that I never like paid attention to in this movie until this watch. Mm-hmm. What is Oren's like lawyer's name? Sophie. Sophie is driving and she's driving a 300 ZX that like I was all like talking about in the previous lap that like I was all bonered for like I just got this like weird inkling about them not too long ago and I was like oh man like I would fucking love one of these and there's just like one of these in the movie and I was like this is like the coolest thing ever and just like her her, like her driving like a a car that I think is very cool (laughs) and is not (laughs) like is not like Ferrari or whatever you know it's just like it was like a really cool thing to me so I was like that's a really cool part of the movie did you have like another cool part of the movie so I have two things by the bride I have number one like in the Hattori Hanzo scene where she just starts speaking Japanese like I I need to speak to Hattori Hanzo and he's just like his entire because he's joking around you know he's got his like you know swords apprentice right because he is retired like he's he doesn't want to make instruments of death anymore so he's trying to like live an honest life and just run a sushi shop and whatever he's got just like this bad worker employee his only employee it seems is a guy who just wants to watch his Japanese soaps and like gives Uma lip for like ordering sake in the middle of the day whatever yeah 
cursing at this dude in Japanese and like making fun of him in English to Uma and like just you know it's just a it's a really funny scene and she's like I'm here to see a guy he's like oh he came all the way here to see a guy like what's his name or yeah. what do you want to he's just she's like Hattori Hanzo and then just like oh she, like that's the moment which is like oh god like the whole scene is great but it's just like oh no like this and then he just what do you want with Hattori Hanzo he's just speaking to her in Japanese and she it's just it's the coolest like shit's about to get real here in a hurry like we gotta yep you know yep. I'm here for you let's let's talk I fucking love the whole thing of that like the the tone the mood everything just changes and there's like some comedy at the beginning of that part of it which i really really like it's very light but then it like flips the switch to serious very fast and i like that they use the language change to do that yeah i think that was cool i like all everything about it and like him like throwing knives around like getting it like magnetically stuck to the wall and then like the guy like running at like yes. him throwing like a knife or a plate or something at him and just like Ugh. like you know what are you gonna do <laughs> but just like you know he know like he's a master swordsman this guy is like you know i don't want to say like a ninja you know what I mean? like he's he's not gonna get killed but like just throwing knives at dudes just because like he's just being a dick like it's just funny how over the top it is when he has the magnetic bar and he like just like throws the knife yeah to the magnetic yeah. bar behind him is like one of the singly most cool moves in this movie for me. Hattorianzo says something like, do you understand? The guy's like, in Japanese to Uma, he's like, you know, I don't, I'm not bald, I shave my head. Then he says in English, do you understand? Do you understand? It's like, no. Like, <laughs> she's ostensibly just like this white white woman, right? Like, it just, it's so funny. It's just so good. Yeah, they play really well together. Oh. So I love that. And then at the end, in the Oren fight, I think my other cool moment would be when they're fighting you know, Uma slices the, the sword sheath and like then the first real blow comes when Oren slices the bride, slices back. Spoilers, Beatrix. Uh, <laughs> slices her in the back and then she falls down and Oren says, you might not be able to fight like a samurai, but at least you can die like a samurai. And then the bride fights her way to her feet and just says, attack me with everything you have. And it's like, oh shit, okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah, not like take it easy. I mean, like she tenderized her right beforehand with like making her fight 70,000 people beforehand, but the crazy 88s, man. There's yeah. yeah. Mhm. And also like the Gogo Yubari fight is cool. Apparently Gogo was supposed to be like two different characters and like the bride was going to kill one of them, the other one going to come for vengeance. Like that girl is from Battle Royale. Shout out to Brian yep. Rodriguez because he covered that in Slumber Party. Quentin just loves Battle Royale, and so he's like, "I want that girl in my movie." So <laughs> he got that girl in his movie. But just like, yeah, you fought all these people, like all your best killers. Now you get the boss, right? And yep. you still lose, but yeah, which I is mean, very amazing. Like we were talking about, that's very Game of Death, right? Like she's fighting her way up the the ladder, the pagoda. Yep, mm-hmm. up the pagoda. Because also, like, a cool moment is, like, you know, she fights, like, a dozen people, right? Like, you know, Oren has her, like, her little entourage, and they've all got swords, and she fights everybody, and then, like, you hear, like, a stampede. And Literally, she's like, you didn't think yeah. it was going to be that easy. And she's like, yeah, for a second there, I kind of did. And then, like, when you see the breadth of, like, who shows up, it's like, oh, my, like, come on. It's almost like the same kind of thing, like, in Lone Wolf and Cub, where it's like, oh, he just fought, like, eight dudes. Like, that's enough. Like, that's an amazing scene. And then, like, there's just an army full of guys. It's like, <laughs> wait, what? Now what? Like, you know, it's just, it's, it's it, it raises it to 11 because, like, you can, right? So it's just, it's awesome. When I was watching it this time, there is so much fucking lone wolf and cub in these. Yeah. It's it's just dripping, in, not in blood, but in lone wolf and cub references. Also in blood. <laughs> also in blood, but, like, in lone wolf and cub references. Just, like, the way everything's, like, set up and shot and just, it's like, yeah, he obviously was watching a ton of lone wolf and cub and was like, yep, I'm going to do these these things. I like all of these things about this. Like, in the very first scene, like, the very first action scene where she kills Vernita Green, 
And then her daughter walks in like to her mother's dead body on the floor, right? Yep. Uma says with her back turned, it was not my intention to do this in front of you for that. I am sorry, but you can take my word for it. Your mother had it coming. I'm like, that's very lone wolf of her. Just like very kind of stilted, formalized. I did not want you to see this. You know, I did it for honor. I did it for vengeance. Like there was a reason for this. And then, you know, when you grow up, if you still feel raw about it, if you still feel raw about it, I'll be waiting. Like, but that first way she delivers it, just like, oh, that's like a samurai. Like, I have to explain this. Like, I had to do this. And this is why I'm doing it. I'm now scared that you just pointed that out, that that's the way that Lone Wolf dies. How so? Like, someone explains to Cub why someone why he kills had to do this? Lone Wolf and then goes, I didn't mean to do that. I'd, like, it was never my intention to do that in front of you. If you ever mm. grow up and want to settle this, I'll be waiting. And, like, that's the end of the movie. Maybe. Very, very, very possible. Like, I mean, like, that also, you know, that could set up a future Lone Wolf and Cub series that never happened because that kid, like we talked about, Daigoro yeah. never acted another thing. There's also been rumors for a while that, like, Kill Bill 3 might happen. Spoilers for two. Although you kind of know at the end of this movie, they tell you, but like, it's got to be around BB and Vernita Green's daughter, right? Because like, it just feels like, how do you not, right? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Just like we always want Brian and and Dom's kids, right? Yeah. Their sons yeah. to, to match up. Maybe little Nico too. I'm just wondering if you do that, like, do you cast Maya Hawk, who is Ethan Hawk and Uma Thurman's daughter, You like from Stranger Things and from, she was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for like briefly. Like, do you cast her as BB or do you get like an actual, not an actual, but like, you know, someone who's like a martial artist, you know? I don't know. Mm. Because she could be, because, like, you know, David Carradine's American and Uma's American. Like, it's not like she had sex with, like, a Japanese dude or what, you know what I mean? Like, you have to have, you know, it's like it, racially, again, I don't know how to say this, but, like, it could work. Yeah, 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 exactly. So. I think Uma's daughter would put in the work to to accomplish, to do it justice. Like, if you got to yeah. play, like, your mom's role or, like, a role that was, like, inspired by your mom somehow, you would probably try to do a good job. Yeah. I had, a, I had a flash to Brian Rodriguez and Mr. Baseball with, like, you like samurai swords, I like baseball. I'm just like, oh, Mr. Baseball? Are you Mr. Baseball? <laughs> I didn't I didn't even think about baseball during this. You just brought her up, but Vivica A. Fox in this, and then seeing her in the whole fucking Lifetime series called, oh, like, The Wrong whatever yeah. she's in yep. every single one of them and in every movie she delivers the line like you mess with the wrong cheerleader and that's just like what a world we've come to right like she goes from one of the nastiest killers ever to the lifetime series the wrong cheerleader the wrong grandmother or whatever and it's just really funny to see because we watch like so many of these movies with her i haven't watched kill bill in so long and she's much much older now oh uh, there's also baseball later when when gogo has her like death ball on a chain and like Uma hits it back at her that she with dodges, the, but the like leg. with the, yeah. with the leg. Yeah. And then like when Gogo like falls or she gets hit or whatever, and she falls, it sounds like bowling pins collapsing. So I'm like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Like it was like baseball and bowling in the same, like three second window. Speaking of like the sound things, we had just been talking so much about like how they play with silence in mm-hmm. lone wolf. Although this is like a lot more scored than that. There is lots of moments of silence when you only hear pitter-patter of feet. Yeah, yeah. The slashing of a sword or the blood spray. As much as it is a a movie of now with, like, tons of 
soundtrack and score behind everything, he still incorporated some of the silence. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And like, I noticed it more after watching Lone Wolf and Cub that like, oh, yes, it still exists here in some places. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I think it's just a matter of the franchise engine that is Fast and Furious, that is Marvel, that is whatever, right? Which is like, we need to like louder, like the Transformers model, where it's like yep. louder is better. If it's quiet, we're doing it wrong. Even though like Transformers, I think like is a good, like I think the tr- first Transformers is a really good movie when there's no robots on screen. Like the Witwicky stuff with like Shia and his parents, I think is really in- fun and engaging. And as soon as robots show up, I'm like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Like, when you have a director, like, an auteur or whatever, like, somebody who actually cares, not that the other people don't care, but, like, that have more control over, like, the movie they're making that aren't just making a $200 million blockbuster, you have the ability to, like, have creative choices, right? And, like, do things like this. So, it's cool. I like that it exists. I like that it exists, too. I don't know who... I wonder if we're ever going to look back on, like, Tarantino and be like, man... Could they let anybody else try this? Because, like, they just give him, like, free reign to do whatever he wants with whatever actors he wants, and everybody buys in. Well, I think there there are other directors like that. It's just that he's the one doing these kind of movies. But, like, Fincher, like, nobody says no to Fincher. Nobody says no to Paul Thomas Anderson. That's true. Nobody says no to, like, even young up-and-coming guys like, you know, Robert Eggers, who made, like, The Witch and then made The Lighthouse and is now making some crazy, like, Norse movie. Like, there are certain people who, like, within reason and then sometimes even without an without being in a reason like nobody says no to nicholas winding reffin like yeah there's yeah, certain right. people that like you know it's not like they have a blank check where it's like 300 million dollars like they still have to like no 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 whatever but like there are a lot of people it's just not most people but there's more than a handful mostly dudes uh mostly white dudes all, who all white are dudes. just don't have to like go through the ri- the rigorous process of like getting a thing made because they make a movie every three years or whatever and it's an event but on top of that it's like it's that but also the thing that's like Tarantino's just a movie nerd showing you his favorite parts of, of like the past 50 movies that he was like, I love these movies. And that's like the other half of this that I'm like, will we ever have somebody that's just like making homage films with like a great cast and as weird as they want. It's, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if we have, like, he feels like a film historian and preservationist in a way that other people aren't, but I don't think that people aren't because they're not allowed to be. I think they just kind of don't care to be. We say this every time, right? He's, he's never making anything original, right? It's just like bits and pieces of things he likes from other things. Well, what's original is how he puts it together. Yeah. 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 That's true. It's not like it's completely just plagiarizer. Like he's putting them together in an interesting, fun way. But at the same time, it's like, I think that other people have more aspirations to make a new fresh story and he's like no like i just want to show you guys like i know that like the people that like these on the grand scale like there's going to be a lot of people that see this movie that really like this movie and then try to find out what i got from this and then eventually go back and watch the original movies right well i mean like you can even compare it to like i like i think there might be like an easier comparison with music or whatever where like you have musicians or you have djs who like make their own stuff and you have somebody like dj shadow or like the hood internet who like exclusively or almost exclusively like exist in the realm of like taking things that already exist and making a new story out of them and, like dj yep, shadow yep, like yep, taking things and yep. sampling and like adding in like his girlfriend at the time or whatever like singing four lines of a song but like they're doing what tarantino's doing like it's they're it's about 100%. the finished product right so i don't know does so here's, here's a question for you. What? So we know that the Ober and Ishii fight is essentially very heavily lifted from Lady Snowblood, right? Like yes. not, it's not, it's, it's different, but like it's paying homage to that, like it's in the snow, it's two yep. women fighting, yep. whatever. Is it more impressive, less impressive, or does it not matter knowing to you, knowing that that existed already? Like if you did not know that was an homage, 
Like, if it was purely original, would you think that scene is cooler? Do you think it's cooler that you know that it's an homage, or does, like not, does it not impact you one way or the other? In the global answer to that, it's probably personality-based. For mm-hmm. me, I think that it's cooler knowing that it's an homage. Because, like you said, okay. you can make, like a shot-for-shot remake of anything, and that doesn't make it cool. It's the way that he presents it and the way that he intertwines all of these moving pieces at the same time to give you it to be like, oh, we're watching it, and they're like, oh, that's Lady Snowblood, but then there's like so much Lone Wolf and Cub, but there's also so much... The whole scene with Vivica Fox, you know, like there's like a big black exploitation influence, right? And like these kind of things, and you're like, the way that he's weaving them together becomes even more impressive for me. So although that he's not using like a totally original scene, he still recreates it, does a really good job at it, and then intertwines it with other things. And I think that that builds for me. I think I agree. I think I mostly agree. And I think that, you know, if if I didn't agree, I wouldn't like his movies as much as I do. I don't know if it says it works better, but like it's different in Death Proof, I think, where like it feels like he's still paying respect to these old things, but kind of telling a more original story. Yes. And here it, feels more so like oh this is from this and this is from this yep, and this is yep, from this yeah i don't think it's a bad thing I, I am a little bothered by the buck line because it's just like come on like i thought that was like a, i thought that was an original like it's not i'm just like well like yeah. just, like lines of dialogue like who gives a shit that you're referencing toby hooper cool like come up like i don't know you know like it's like there's certain things that like kind of irk me but it's also you know he's doing a thing like you just said before doing a thing that nobody else is either doing or doing to this extent or doing to this like level of success and so for that like it's worth applauding i think i can't find anybody to compare it to i don't know that anybody's doing it better right so i don't think that we will find someone that does it this well for a little bit for sure there is a movie that i actually watched at your house and i don't remember why because it's like 54 minutes long but i was i woke up before you one day and i think i just had downloaded this or something it's called it felt like a kiss and it's from 2009 started by this guy adam curtis okay remix and this guy remixes archival footage and u.s pop music it's not original. Like it just, it's kind of like a mashup. He's making a new movie, but he's not filming new things that are yes. referencing other things. Yeah. But like he's still remixing it in a way. It's it's not exactly the same. It's similar. It's different. Whatever. But like other people are doing this. But this is also a thing that's like seen by like fifteen hundred people on Letterboxd. Like it's it's not popular. And it's also not what Tarantino's doing. It's there's a difference between remake and remix. And yes. remake is what he's doing. And he's also remaking it at the highest level with like that like top tier actors top tier everything Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah that's what makes it a little bit different because like you know brian on his show just covered for the last like five weeks or five of the last like seven weeks by the time this comes out gus van sant movies because he did like five high school movies and gus van sant sort of famously known for recreating shot by shot psycho and it's like why he's like i just wanted to see if i could do it and like you could but like why bother? like why bother what are you doing (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, yeah i don't get it (laughs) like cool in the same sense that the other half of Quentin Tarantino is Harmony Corrin, right? That's like making like the weirdest, most original stuff went through a very similar trajectory, in my opinion, and like got to a point now where he's like, okay, I'm going to get a bunch of actors to just do something fucking weird that I had this like stone dream about one time. It will not make that much sense, but like it'll look great. And, like, it'll still work. I don't know. I just put them in, like, this weird upper category that they're just, like, brains are existing on, like, a different level. So it's, like, in a strange way. I mean, obviously, Tarantino is just cocaine. But for Harmony Court, probably cocaine, too. But at the same time, like, they're just, like, thinking of stuff at, like, this weird, like, peering into it. It's strange. Like, I think I think there are far more people who do what 
Harmony Corinne does. Like, I, I don't know that yeah. it's, yes, it's not I agree. specifically... Yes, I agree. That's true, too. Yep. yep. There's, there, but there's far more people blazing their... Like, no pun intended. Blazing their own path and, like, being like, I have this weird vision. I'm going to do this thing. And I might not get to make five or six or seven movies or whatever he's made. But, like, I'm going to... I have this... I have access to these actors and these cameras and whatever. And I'm going to make a thing that, like, I've always wanted to make. And I think... I'm not saying it's better or worse, but I think what he's doing... I mean, he also kind of set up there's like the dogma 95 which brian also talked about on the show but like harmony like they these like handful of filmmakers in the 90s were like this is the only way you make movies because like you watch <laughs> kids and you're like oh my god like nobody's making movies like this yeah and then you watch movies like spring breakers you're like a lot of people are making movies like this but not exactly like this right yeah so, yeah yeah because you also look at tarantino and like the movies he was making early on reservoir dogs and pulp fiction like sort of had been making but they these felt grittier and more honest and real and like you can tell that he's doing something new because then you watch movies for the next 15 20 years and they're all trying to do the exact same, same thing, thing that he was doing and yeah. all failing miserably for the most part i mean some some of them do well but like <laughs> i agree you know when you're doing something that resonates that feels new and feels like oh shit like people do try, try to do the same thing you know what's weird i think that it feels so much better because Tarantino goes to the source material and everybody else feels like they go to Tarantino. Yeah, it's like when you're writing a wiki, you're writing a yes. paper. It's like, I'm going to go to Wikipedia. It's like, well, why don't you go to the, like, wiki sources where they get the shit from. So just go there. It's like, nah, this is easier. It's like, well, yeah, but like, you know what you're doing. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, like he's like, oh, like I got all of these things. You can point out exactly where he got them from and you like them for the original things. And everybody's like, let's do what Tarantino did. And you're like, yeah, but he's copying the other guy. So then it gets like, you lose resolution, man. I mean, sometimes it works though. Cause like you find, you know, you're like, okay, my favorite band is Radiohead. Like, let me go find out who Tom York's favorite band is. And like, they're going to be my next favorite yep. band or whatever. Like sometimes yep. that works. And so sometimes you can like, you know, you're inspired by Radiohead. It was inspired by X. It was inspired by Y. It was inspired inspired by Z all the way back to whatever, you know what I mean? And so Tarantino inspired people, I'm sure, brain farting right now on who it is, but like, I'm sure he's inspired lots of people who like have made legitimately great movies and also just like hunt like 90% of what has tried to imitate is just <laughs> unwatchable direct, which is like, you can't write cool people because like it, it, it's hard. Like it's hard, it's hard to write like charming criminals. It really is. It really, really is. So. I've seen a lot of bad experiences experiences of that for yeah, sure i think it's very cool that on the airplane you can see the strings i don't know if you can see on the hbo max of like the resolution but like on the blu-ray you can see like the airplane flying in the air oh. like it's clearly a toy you can see the yeah. string. like it's because it, it it like the, the tilt of it like is really really off i also like that she flies commercial and everybody just has katanas on the plane yeah that's what i was i, I wrote that down so like <laughs> she's she's like in first class but she's on just like a regular flight right and she buys a ticket at a, at a counter yeah mm-hmm Okinawa one way and then Tokyo or whatever like and so she is sitting in a seat and she just has a sword next to her and there's somebody else that we don't see also with a sword it's like what there's what? three there's three in that shot there's like the person that you're the vantage point of and then yep. like also like the guy behind her also has a sword and I'm uh, like I missed that one but oh geez okay cool cool so I'm like everybody just carries swords on this plane like and you don't have to check them because that's when she got the Hanzo sword and I was like oh she flew commercial I remember she flies commercial like damn is she really gonna check this Hanzo sword like she must really trust JAL Airlines to, to get this sword there and I'm like oh no she doesn't even have to she just sits it right next to her on the plane totally fine my only other note that I wrote down for this is this I I, I didn't realize this in the moment I just thought it was a funny line but now I wish that like Sean's dad said this to Sean in Tokyo Drift when she fights actually okay so what a couple more lone wolf and cub things so okay. 
in the Crazy 88s thing, she cuts swords in half. When I talked on the Lonely Stub episodes, I'm like, it just feels like he has a stronger sword because he's like cutting through swords. Like people are blocking him and their swords are breaking. So like it just feels here. That's why you go get a Hattori Hanzo, right? Because it's just like, this is the best sword. Yep. I also like that people collapse. Like you pointed out, like in this movie, people collapse at the same time, just like you pointed out, like Lone Wolf's enemies do. Like when when he kills those three women in the first, in Shogun Assassin or in one of the first two movies, they all like freeze and they all fall at the same time. He said like very cinematic, whatever. It happens here too. Yep. I noticed that, and that was, like, part of my, like, he really jacked a lot from it. Like, all of the cool parts from it. And so, in this movie, when she is fighting the crazy idiots, and she gets into that room, and, the, and she's fighting that one dude, and she's like, the lights come back on, like, Sophie turns the lights back on, and it's just, like, this, like, 15-year-old kid, right? And she, like, slices the sword, slices the sword, she's, like, chopping it off, and then she grabs him, and she spanks him with the sword, and she says, this is what you get for fucking around with the Yakuza's, go home to your mother. <laughs> And I really think that would be funny if, like, Sean's dad, like, took Sean and put him over his knee, which is like, this is what you get for fucking around with the Yakuza's. Go back to your mother. No, he would he would have said, this is what you get for racing, not for fucking... He didn't care about his Yakuza involvement. True. He just only cared about him smelling like gasoline. That was it. But it also it also would have fit, but yes, yes. yes I yes, understand, yes. totally. That would have been really awesome if he would just, like, bent him over. and. I want the old lady eating noodles to bent him over and spank him oh. with a sword. Yes, disrespected the old Asian woman eating noodles next door, watching her game shows. Uh, Any other notes you have for Kill Bill 1? Last thing, because we talk about this a lot in Fast and the Furious, especially when we were talking with Kara Mm -hmm. about, like, the fashion in it. The first jacket-glove combo that Daryl Hannah has on with, like, the belt, like, like, drawn on it is so fucking fire. The Daryl Hannah has? When, like, so she's in the nurse's outfit. No, she comes in in a different outfit. And, like, the uh, jacket oh, and glove yes, 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 combo yes, yes. that she has on is so fly. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I love everything about this. This is, like, just such a great outfit that gets overshadowed by the nurse's outfit so much. And, like, that jacket is just, like, one of the coolest fucking jackets I've ever seen in my life. And I just needed to point it out because it, it makes me really, really happy. Like, the belt drawn across it. It but looks then it, like she's in Jet Set Radio Future. Right? Yeah, it's so... It's like cell shading for a yep. real piece of mm-hmm. clothing. It's so cool. When there is the shot of Bill over the bride, like when she first wakes up and she has like the, the memory of it, the shot of him shooting her is so much like engine zoom in Fast and the Furious. It's really funny to me. Like he like cocks back and then like the trigger and it goes from like oh, trigger yes. into yep. the gun through the bullet. And I was like, this is so much like every time we see Nos being shot in Fast and the Furious, but completely different. There's a Nicolas Cage movie called Lord of War that opens with you following a bullet from like it being manufactured yes. to it being yes. shot out of the gun. It's just like, yeah, it's that to the extreme, right? Basically. Yeah, I remember that movie. I've seen that movie. Yeah, the movie's not great, but Jared Leto does do cocaine. He like outlines cocaine in the shape of a country, like in the shape of like Turkey, not Turkey or something, but like some European country and then like I don't remember does that. the cocaine. So like, you know, that's a cool thing that happens. Wasn't he doing cocaine with with gunpowder at one point in that movie? I feel like I that remember. was the thing that I remember. It's like he like does half cocaine, half gunpowder. But I, I could be making that up. I don't know. I don't remember. I've seen that movie multiple times for obvious reasons, but I don't remember. Okay. All right, let's watch the trailer for Kill Bill 1. So there is our boy Movie Clips Classic Trailers. We're going to skip that one. We're instead doing Miramax, which is the company that made this. Yeah. Kill Bill Volume 1 Official Green Band Trailer. Oh, actually, this is the... I don't know that there's a... Hold on, because Red Band is like the un... So let's hold on. I'm going to send you this different one instead. Movie Clips Classic Trailers. This is the one that's the first hit on YouTube. 2.8 million views. Kill Bill Volume 1 2003 official trailer. Uma Thurman Lucy Liu action movie HD. 2 minutes and 32 seconds long. Whenever you're ready, tell me. 3, 2, 1, play. Okay. 
I thought that I didn't click play, but I did. Just rolled that for a while. And there's there the bullet. Go. There you yep. go. Yep, the whole thing. Not too long ago, I was quite the professional. Oh, I think I might have told this story in this podcast before, but when I saw this movie in theaters, not this movie, when I saw this trailer in theaters, at the end, it says Kill Bill Volume 1. Like, from, Tar- Quentin, from Quentin Tarantino, Kill Bill Volume 1. And I didn't know who that was at the time. And I was like, who the fuck does this guy think he is? That he's going to put out a movie that's called Volume 1 and think he's going to get a Volume 2. <laughs> Not knowing that Little he did you film know. in the 90s, right? So Yeah. I suppose it's a little late for an apology, huh? You suppose correctly. I love the eye shots in this, too. They're all so good. Also, the song Please Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood by Santa Esmeralda. Like, this is the Oren song. Like, it's just... Yeah. Cool. Oh, the, the, that's the other thing when we were watching it, Rachel was like, I forgot how much I love the soundtrack in this. I listen to the soundtrack a whole lot. Like, and there are like three sound effects, like the, you know, when they're fighting and like they throw the axe, there's that like sword sound or whatever. Like those are on the sound on the CD too. I'm just like, I don't need these. You can yeah. keep, you can keep these. I don't need these. <laughs> I definitely don't want those. There's the jacket. No yeah. kidding. I heard it was kind of hard. Also, the shot, another maybe the cool moment is when Oren and her crew are walking down the hallway. Yeah. To this song and yes. just like like zooming in like in slow, it's just like it's like god damn it like you know I don't know how you don't think it's the coolest thing in the world. This trailer feels like a trailer you'd see in a movie theater. I don't know what it feels so movie theatery to me. Yeah. There's the dude. Yeah. Getting spanked. <laughs> you didn't think it was gonna be that yeah. easy, did you? The axe. For a second there. Also, like you see this trailer, you're like, I, I need to see this yeah. fucking movie. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. such a well constructed trailer. Also what I love about Are we gonna get are we gonna get a toe in the trailer or just her talking to her toe? Oh I wanna I wanna talk about that too. I forgot to mention that. What I love about the yeah, volume one this October, I'm just like, okay, cool. Okay, cool, guy. Good luck. We'll get your second movie made. Because <laughs> I was like 14 and dumb. At the end of that fight where she's like standing on the balcony, she just killed the last person. She's like, any of you like still lucky enough to have your lives, you can leave, but leave your limbs. They belong to me. I'm like, what are you yes. going to do with them? Like, what are you doing? And it's like, accept you, Sophie. And she's like, ah, poor Sophie. But, you know, <laughs> Sophie deserved it. The other thing that I noticed for the first time watching it this time, the five, six, seven, eights have no shoes on and there's multiple foot shots of them in this movie too cool yes that's also like a a sort of a famous story about them that like he was just like in a record shop in japan and like heard them on the thing and just like i need this song i need this band in my movie and so like (laughs) you know that's what happened but i also need their feet in my movie (laughs) i think that that's what happened cool man (sighs) all right letterbox game so for reference sake Mad Max Fury Road has been seen by 800,000 people. It cracked 800,000. Oh, no. It rounded up to 800, but it's 799688. So it's Ugh. just, it says 800, but we're, we're going to be there by the next time we do this. Okay. Maybe on Friday, right? So okay. maybe. Kill Bill Volume 1. Oh, God. 2003, directed by Quentin Tarantino, Ugh. starring Uma Thurman, Lucy Liu, Vivica A. Fox, and Daryl Hannah, has been seen by how many people? <sighs> I got to go 600,000. You are too low. Am okay. <laughs> yeah. 725. You are too low. 800,000. 
784. 784, 317. This is the closest thing we've ever had a movie to Mad Max. Mad Max. Yeah. Insanity. I mean, like, I knew it had to be crazy high, right? Like, insane. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I, I sent you a thing. So apparently, I, I Letterboxd sends out these, like, monthly newsletters or whatever <laughs> this that is. Skim. Funny. Yeah. And they have, like, popularity but then also most logged and popularity factors in like reviews and comments and likes and everything like that so like the most popular film i think on letterboxd of all time is parasite because just everybody like whatever but like mad max which we use as our basis is like 25th or something right but like it's there's difference between popularity and it doesn't matter whatever so it's just like oh we're kind of like understanding how the game works now sort of (laughs) yeah we we were and and we were like yeah, like, well, it's not the most popular movie, and it's like, well, we've been using this yardstick for fucking years now, right. so what's the point of changing like, it? You know, like, you know, Inception, we said, right, is like over a million people. No, it was Parasite that was, like, crazy high. Well, no, I think Inception, so Inception's been logged 1.1 million times, okay. Parasite's been, oh, they've both been 1.1 million, but yeah. yeah, it's still a fuck ton. Okay, so now, here's, I think you might actually might be able to get this. How many, on the first guess I'm going to say, how many people have this in their top four? Average rating of 4.1, most common a 4, then a 5, then a 4.5. I'm going to say 400. 400? Yeah. You're way too low. I was just thinking, like, it's kind of, it's it's like older now, right? So, like, as much as people like it, I know that people change their stuff, and there's, you know, okay, um, 6,000. Too low. 10,000. 10,000 people. Damn. They just they, they just round by that point. They don't even have like sub breakdowns. Yeah. 10,000 people have this movie in their top four. <laughs> How'd you pick one? <laughs> clicked and clicked and clicked and clicked and clicked and clicked and clicked. Yeah. I just scrolled through every page until I saw people, like everybody that had more than one review, I clicked on their profile. I'm like, we can't play with any of these people. But I found Beatrix. Beatrix. Who, her third review says something along the lines of, you know, us having the same name makes me like this movie even more but her first review watched two years ago five stars i already asked my mom for a katana for christmas i was like beatrix you're fucking cool she's cool probably 12 but cool she's from italy i love horror movies chick flicks and drew barrymore so three for three all cool things (laughs) okay nice okay her top four favorite films all uh, i don't know if i would call the first a chick flick they all kind of sort of fit into those in a way 50 Kill first Bill dates one. 50 first dates no they're all i think critically and objectively great movies okay okay kill bill volume one is her third favorite movie okay her fourth favorite movie was my favorite movie from two years ago so not the pandemic year but the year before that do you remember what my favorite movie was Paddington. it's a horror movie a horror no. movie mm-hmm. is it get out no that was before that's a that was a year or two before not like even the guest the guest no the guest is earlier than that yeah, no, that's more recent more recent recent than that and this is made by a guy who has made two movies both horror movies hmm. i think you've seen i'm pretty sure you've seen them both i think you like the first one better and they both came out in the last like five years there's also star is one of my favorite actresses yeah. one of your favorite actresses too mm-hmm. i don't know I don't know. Midsummer. 
Oh, okay, okay, okay. No, I never saw Midsummer. I was like putting oh. it off, putting it off, putting it off. But you've seen Hereditary, right? Or no? Yes, I have seen Hereditary. Okay. For some reason, I thought you'd seen both and you loved Hereditary and you only liked Midsummer. But I guess we you really seen liked Midsummer. Hereditary. We always wanted to watch Midsummer, but it was like so long. Yeah, and the director's cut, which is better, is even longer. Yeah. That, yes, that, and that's the what everybody told like us. The standard is like two and a half, and the director's like two fifty or something. This, like that. Okay, yeah. so this is what it was. We like we were gonna watch it, and then everybody was like, "Well, the director's cut's gonna be coming out," and then like we were like, "Okay, we're gonna watch the director's cut," and then like the director cut was like what like three hours more, like two fifty, I think two forty five or something. Yeah. Like that, yeah. So that's number four, number three, Kill Bill. Number the top two have each been covered on our podcast network, not by us. Okay. Um, number one was covered by me and Mike, and I will say Kara as a hint on Cinemakers. Brian also covered on his podcast, and number two was covered by Winona Winona Forever, the Winona Ryder podcast, and has not yet been covered by Brian, but could be covered by Brian. So they're both high school movies. Uh, both so one from, has Winona in it. Yep. Two high school movies. The Winona one from the 80s and the high school one from the 90s. And the high school one from the 90s that I covered with Mike and Kara is, I don't know if you'll remember this, is the movie that I relentlessly ragged on Brian for not having covered. Clueless? Clueless, number one. Oh, nice, nice. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay. So a Winona high school movie from the 80s, which is objectively a great movie. I don't know what it is. That I'm guessing Rachel would love. I'm, I think she probably, I'm guessing she has seen and she loves. I don't know what it is. I don't know the Winona High School movie from the 80s. It's actually probably what Young Rock gets a fairly big character naming convention from. Fine-ass Karen? Mm-hmm. But, so there's like three or four Karens, and then there's their driver. Oh. What is it? I don't know. Heathers. Oh, yeah, I've never seen Heathers. Where there's like three Heathers, and then Winona plays Veronica. Uh, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. That's a pretty good lineup, though. Yeah, man. Beatrix, Clueless, Heathers, Kill Bill, and Midsummer. Clueless, Kill Bill, and Midsummer is a really good top three. I love those three movies. And then Heathers I haven't seen in a while, but her, <laughs> her most recent list on here is teen angst bullshit. <laughs> Every coming of age I've watched and loved. That's awesome. We should, like, we should let Brian BD Wap for her because, like, that's right up his alley, right? Yeah, I'm going to follow her and like this review. Cool. I'm sure she's 14, but that's really cool anyways, so. I mean, everybody on Letterboxd is like a 17-year-old gay high school student, so. That's probably true, yeah. No, like, not not probably true. Like, they're either like a professional film critic, an aspiring film critic, or a gay high school student. Like, that's just what, <laughs> and then me. Like, it's just, I, <laughs> I don't want to be a film critic, and I'm not a gay high school student. Like, it's just, I'm way in the minority, and I'm happy to be there, because like, everybody else is more creative than me. That's really funny. So, shout out to them. Well, on Friday, our next episode, Kill Bill Volume 2. So very excited for that. I'm excited. I, like I said, because I haven't seen these in a while. What were you saying? Like when he recut them together, he what what happens in the middle that like So there's changes? the whole bloody affair, which yeah. they do not decolorize the house of the blue leaves. Cool. Um, okay. Or whatever. At the end of this movie, when Sophie and Bill are talking and they say she doesn't know that her daughter's still thought alive. It. That's what I thought it was. They okay. cut that out. So like at the end of this like four and a half hour or whatever movie or four hour movie or whatever it is, then it like really hits you like a gut punch because it's like, oh shit, she had a daughter this whole time and I didn't know. Yes. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. It's a, it's the kind of thing that I wish I think would probably be better. Like it's the same thing where like Zack Snyder, when he makes a two hour movie, it's like, I don't know what this is. And then when he is allowed to make it to three or four hour movie, it's like, oh, this is amazing. I'm not saying like, I think Kill Bill is a much better movie than any two hour Zack Snyder movie, but like Kill Bill, the whole bloody affair, the two together, like would probably be my favorite Tarantino thing. Cause I think it's the movie he wanted to make. And yes. Hollywood was basically like there. That's when they're like, you can't, we, draw the we line. can't put out a four yeah. hour movie. Like that's, 
Yeah. It's, that's crazy. We're not doing that. That makes sense. Is nobody nobody has it? Like you can't why aren't they selling the fucking Blu-ray at this? No, and you can't even bootleg it. Like I've like that's that's my white whale. Like that's the kind of thing that like, you know, I s I've scoured like the darkest corners of the web like what mike calls the dark web it's just like it doesn't exist like it's been screened i think he screened at like the new beverly like the theater he owns and kind of runs in la like it's it exists it just is not online and i don't know why they don't they have the rights to it like they're still putting on blu-ray yeah, i don't yeah. know why i don't know weird but yes kill bill 2 on friday on the regular feed so if you're worried i mean join the patreon anyway dollar a month gets you in the door yeah but on free for everybody on friday too just a bonus episode the next week we've got our tune-up relap recap where we say goodbye to heather antos but kill bill one today obviously just heard it thank you for listening and kill bill two on friday any other thoughts joe before we close up shop today no that was fun for all things too fast too forever you go to cageclub.me facebook.com slash too fast too forever or at too fast too forever on twitter and instagram email us family at cageclub.me check out our patreon page too fast too forever.com our store too fast too forever.shop come back on friday for kill bill two and on Tuesday, one week from today, for tune-up, relap, recap, lap eight, to find out what next lap's theme is. And if you listened all episode long, you heard Jenny's cryptic email that was not cryptic at all. I just made it cryptic. You might know a movie we're doing, and then you can maybe extrapolate a theme from that. Who knows? Maybe. Possibly. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And we'll tell you all about it when we see you.